0: Divine Truth Events These are events and presentations by Jesus and Mary This presentation is part of the Relationship with God series. The topic is Faith and Prayer presented by Jesus and Mary on the twelfth of may twenty thirteen in town of Mergan, Queensland, Australia. This is session two part one.
1: G'day everyone, how are you this morning?
0: Did you enjoy yesterday's talk? Yeah. yeah.
1: I've got tapes everywhere at the moment. <laughs> Apparently my beard was scraping on the sound yesterday and you could all hear it, could you? Uh, sorry about that. Yeah, it's, not, it's not now, so should be right. Okay, um, as you can see, Mary's joining me today. and uh, we want to continue with the discussion about faith actually for a little while longer this morning before we get on to the subject of prayer and the main reason why is we we didn't cover everything I needed to cover yesterday about faith so so I wanted to introduce a few more topics to you but before we get started um this is a brand new five hundred gigabyte hard disk that's that's blank, it's got nothing on it. Does anybody want it? It's a yes. USB. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um oh. Jenny <laughs> Hayton end uh.
2: up first, probably. Did yes. she?
3: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> it won't fit all of our stuff on it, so so it's uh, you can use it for anything else you want, of course. Yeah. Okay. How are you feeling this morning? Last night, last
4: night
1: was tiring. Last night was tiring. Yeah. yeah. You felt zonked. Yeah.
2: Now, so I felt there was a little bit of resistance in the audience, audience yesterday, yesterday yeah. a few things confronted. And, and I, I always sit there like a little cheerleader going, put up your hand, ask what you're, you know, <laughs> just say it, it'll be okay.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> because I feel like when you take the risk to open up about what you're, not, what you're confused about, because often I can feel um, Jesus is explaining something, but there's a lot of questions in people's mind. But nobody just says, look, I don't get it. And um, I feel like when people take what feels like a risk to do that, a lot more clarity comes for a lot of other people. So, yeah, I'd like to encourage you guys to just go, I don't get it.
1: Now, Mary's got a bit of sound coming through her. Have I? She's got no beard, so. (laughs) I hope not. (laughs) That
2: would be very embarrassing.
1: If you if you yeah. has one, you need a bit of waxing needs to be not it? <laughs> Let me just uh, fix it up for you.
2: I haven't dealt with that emotion actually. Waxing still occurs in my. Uh... If you smile. Yeah, now better. It's okay if I don't smile.
1: <laughs> no, I think you're right. <laughs> it might be your hair because of where the. Weather receiver is but anyway we'll see how I, we go yeah yeah. okay we'll just sorry about that a bit of a sigh
2: yeah now Rochelle you put up your hand just when we were talking about that
1: yeah yeah have we got some yeah we have yeah. awesome thank you
4: just give Vlad a minute to turn up the mic. yeah oh, here we go um yeah I was one of those people that you said a few things about faith. Um, I've heard you say in the past that when you become at one with God, our faith will actually increase, that we can do that.
1: It will, but, but unfortunately, it's only an intellectual kind of a faith that grows under those circumstances. There's a bit of feedback, guys, too. So if we can just sort out all of our mic issues before we get started, that'd be great. You are right. Yeah.
4: Okay if you can oh, speak. Yeah, yeah sorry. Um, and the other thing was um I think I've become one of those neurotic paranoid people <laughs> <laughs> that is so worried about being an addiction and and figuring stuff out and yeah. like you said yesterday you don't do that I'm going what like
1: No. No, I'm not very neurotic.
4: No, no, no. no I realise. <laughs> <Even> or intellectual. <laughs> yeah.
1: Even though others might claim I am. <laughs> yeah. Because,
4: you know, like I think it's all that injury about wanting to be perfect and do it, do it right. So I've heard you say you write lists about addictions and...
1: Well, one of the biggest problems that most people face is you're still trying to do everything intellectually rather than emotionally. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, You you end up with these kind of problems, the kind of problems where you're getting worried about everything and what's going on. You can see the addiction, but nothing's really happening. You're trying to heal it, but nothing's going on with that either. And you end up in this this space, if you like, where you're just really trying to do what anybody else who's heard any truth in the past would do and what, what most people in religions do. And that is they hear some truth and then they become very concerned about having to follow it and they use all of their might, and, and if I could say might in the sense of you know all of their intellectual strength and all of their effort goes into trying to follow it, but, but they don't realise there's some kind of resistance in their soul to following it. And if you get rid of the resistance in your soul, then everything's easy. So if you're only focused on the resistance in your soul, that, that is far more powerful than focusing on everything else and doing everything else right
2: so often um, I think we've spoken about before when we talk about addictions and I feel the most powerful way to deal with the addiction is to feel how much you want it a lot of people go oh I've got that addiction got to get out you know got to stop it got to stop it got to okay what's the causal what's the cause? how am I going to get there okay have I got there hey, do you think this is the causal Mary should I be feeling this and my my response is always. Just f- don't act on the addiction, but feel how much you want to because that will, that's, that's the beginning of the
4: emotional process. So, when you say feel how much you want it, like it, an experience it, so go to go with the anger of I want this, not just feel it without the expression.
2: Yeah, yeah, in whatever way the emotion presents itself let yourself feel that now initially that might be anger which is really about i can't have this addiction and i want it but under that there's a lot of other like really needy feelings that lead to sort of sad feelings that you you know all those feelings that they're really present if you just let yourself feel your addiction
4: because i got confused about that because one of the talks you did years ago about entitlement was to just to cry every time someone doesn't treat you the way you want to be treated. Mm. And then I thought, well, that's just crying about an addiction not being met. It is. Which, you've got to go through that process.
1: Yes, you do. You have to see that you wanted the addiction met. And this is the result. Your crying is the result of you wanting it met so much that you're unwilling to look at its cause.
0: Can... But Can now you, we're getting
1: in a discussion yeah. about emotion Yes,
3: yeah, so again,
1: I, actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and I want to focus on That's faith okay. because, because I feel this is one of our primary problems, is that many of you are so focused on emotion and, and still focusing all of your effort on emotion, and the main reason why is because you're not, you don't have any faith, and, and you, don't have this, you haven't got this experience happening with God, and so you're having to go through and work through every single emotion by itself on its own with no assistance from God really through the process and of course you feel sometimes very confused about that and you don't know what the truth is and you don't know what an error is and so forth. It becomes very plain if you do it with God, with faith.
2: A lot of us try to deal with the emotion so then we're good enough for God and that's the opposite of faith and prayer actually.
1: Yeah, Yeah. in fact myself and Mary were having a conversation maybe three months ago now where Mary was saying you know that she felt like she needed to do this and do that and do this and do that before she could pray for divine love and I'm going well why do you feel like you have to do all of those things She said oh because the the way she saw it was how I have to let go of all the untruth before I can you know pray for divine love and I'm going well no I've never said that at all you know the truth is a doorway to love but but I've never said you have to let go of all the untruth before you can receive any love. Because if, if that was the case, hardly any of us would... That, that's the natural love path, actually. That, that's exactly what, the nat, what you would do on the natural love path. Right?
2: And actually, the most powerful thing that got me to that realisation was just to engage the great experiment intentionally every day. Before then, I was praying to God about heaps of things, bring me truth, help me be humble, all those things. But I wasn't asking for love because I thought, I'm not good enough for that yet. I'm not going to get it. I'm going to have to you know, be a good girl and perform before I get it. Is that Was that a hooray, <laughs> 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 but how, just How, how yeah.
1: many of you are thinking that you have to be good enough before you're going to get any love? Yeah, the majority of the audience, right? Yeah. That's, not, that's not love then, is it? That's barter. That's what you've done with your parents and that's what you've done with society and maybe even your partner still. (laughs) But that's not real love. Real love is somebody loving you without you having to work on it or without you having to have it. Does that make sense? So, yeah...
2: And and the thing that really, like, hit me with that emotion was to... And this is where exactly what Jesus is saying to you. The more you talk about this stuff, it doesn't really help. If you just do the experiment every day, it, like, gets you, like, a (laughs) visceral experience. Like, oh, I feel totally unworthy of this love now that I'm actually asking for it. And it's just so powerful to engage the experiment.
1: So this is where faith will challenge you, you see, and that's why probably what we want to do this morning is just revise some of the main points that we learnt yesterday about faith. Shall we do that first? So that we can understand the basic principles of what a real, true faith will do in terms, of, in terms of motivating you, in terms of helping you grow, in terms of growing your own passions and desires and so forth, and, and also in, terms, in particular in terms coming into a relationship with God so so what we'll do is we'll first note down the main points that we learned yesterday about faith now what do you feel the first main point is from yesterday nina wait for the mics
5: that we inherently learn faith by the time we're three years old based on the experiences that we immediately have in, and you use the example of gravity.
1: Yeah, I'd put that as point number three or four, actually. So, What's we...
6: faith based Oh, yeah, Sarah? It's based on facts and experience.
1: And whose facts? Yours. No. Uh, no not at all whose fact
4: yours as in his or yours
1: (laughs) whether it's yours or mine it's not wrong the answer's wrong
4: absolute facts absolute truth absolute
1: truth truth. so it's faith based on absolute truth so it's absolute truth that we're focusing on and who who has that God. God. god only god actually only god has absolute truth none of us For the rest of our existence, we'll ever find out everything God has done. So all of you who believe that when you become at one with God, all of a sudden you're all-knowing, well, that's false. You're not going to be all-knowing. You're going to continue to learn more things. You'll be at one with God in love. In other words, you will act in the same manner God would act in harmony with love on every issue, but you won't know everything. Get used to not knowing everything. <laughs> right? And it's not bad to not know everything. Honestly, most of us, though, when we were children, were brought up in this environment, particularly when we, by the time we got to school, we were punished for not knowing things. Right? And many of us who, who come from that generation who, who, where there was corporal punishment in schools for not knowing things, many of us become so afraid about not knowing something. Well, God's not like that. God says, no, you're never going to know everything I know. <laughs> That's what God's saying to you. And so give up this feeling that I want to punish you for not knowing too. God doesn't want you to punish you for not knowing. God wants you to have a desire to discover. Right? And what we're trying to do is discover the absolute truth. But the absolute truth is God's domain. And faith is based on absolute truth, not your personal opinion. Not your personal belief, not your wishful thinking, not your hopeful thinking. It's actually based on truth.
2: What do you think happens to faith when we base it on a false belief or a false idea or an untruth? What's going to happen to that kind of, what's going to happen to our... Building?
1: So what Mary's is saying is, if you put a faith in something that ends up not being God's truth, what finishes up happening?
2: Like, my parents are all-knowing. <laughs> you know, when I'm three, I might put faith in that. What happens to that faith eventually? Okay. Lorleen, had a hand up? Yeah.
3: yeah you.
0: Um, I become disillusioned.
1: Well, no, it's even worse than that, actually.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I get angry?
1: No, no, I'm not talking about your personal emotional experience. What I'm saying is what happens to the belief?
2: What happens to the faith, the thing?
1: if you pass the mic back to
2: Glenda yeah
0: Yeah. I think it becomes arrogance
1: well it does but it it even gets worse than that (laughs) and and it's not an emotion that I'm asking for here by the way it's something else
2: Cess, maybe at the back right up back there Cecily
7: lose your faith
1: of course of course it disappears it dies Anything, you see, the entire of God's universe is created around truth which is related to God. So if you have faith in something that's not a part of this universal truth, sooner or later it's going to disappear, it's going to die. What can you expect? Of course, all of God's laws are totally oriented around killing it <laughs> <laughs> for your own good. <laughs> for your own good, right? So, so having faith in something that is false is pointless. And in fact, all of God's laws of the universe are governed to try to destroy that kind of faith. God wants that faith gone. It's not even in harmony with the universe. It's not in harmony with the object of your own creation. So any faith that you have that is based on false beliefs or false opinions... It is just going to die. Now, you see, with a lot of religious faiths on the planet, they are so intent on holding on to what is obviously false beliefs. So, So let's look at one of them. The false belief that there is a chosen race or a chosen religion. Like... It makes no logical sense, it makes no no reasonable sense, it also makes no emotional sense, because it means that God would have favourites and play favourites, right? And so sooner or later that idea or concept is going to have to die. It doesn't matter whether it's in the Bible or the Koran or any other book, it has to die sooner or later, because it's not a part of the truth of God's universe, God has these laws that are constantly working against the faith that most people on the planet have because most people have a faith in things that are false and that's great that that we have this beautiful like operation of God's laws attacking if you like or or actually rejecting anything that's false sooner or later people on the planet will recognize oh yeah that doesn't make any sense Sooner or later, they will have to recognize these particular things because all of the laws of the universe are constructed to try to get rid of these false concepts and ideas that we've imbibed from long times in periods in human history. They've all got to disappear. If we're ever going to have a loving operation on earth with every single person and every single country, many of these false beliefs have to disappear. Does that make sense? They've all have got to go, and God's laws, the truth, the absolute truth about God are constantly opposing these false beliefs and ideas, so any faith that you put in a false belief will be destroyed. Now if you feel disillusioned, as you mentioned, Molly, <laughs> feel disillusioned. But at the end of the day, it needs to go anyway. right? Every faith, false idea you have from God's perspective needs to go. And you need to let yourself feel whatever emotion you feel. If you feel disillusioned, feel disillusioned, but let it go. If you feel angry about having been taught something that was false for many years, let that go. If you feel sad about having been taught something false for many years, let that go too.
2: Can you see how when we hold on to those emotions, it's almost like we want to stay out here? We we want to hold on to the error that it's a bad thing that what we had faith in proved to be not true. We want to hold on to the fact that that was wrong when really, just as was just pointed out to you, it's a good thing. It's a good thing that you were brought the truth that, hey, that belief's not going to serve you. There's a, there's a better one that is actually based in truth.
1: And it's not only that it's not going to serve you, it's not oh, going to serve so all of anything. humanity. Yeah. Any faith that's false will resort to violence in order to try to keep itself in play, Right?
2: Can you relate to that? Things that you've had faith in in the past and you've been willing to get angry about, willing to defend. And,
1: and perhaps even feeling like you want to punch someone in the nose about, you know. <laughs> like, and, and, and in fact, whole wars historically have been caused by this. The whole crusades of the dark ages, where the Christian faith is attacking the Muslim faith and so forth, that's all about this false faithful, faith, false beliefs holding up, you know, wanting to retain their false beliefs and resorting to violence in order to perpetrate them, all right? Now, if we have a true faith, that would never happen because all of the true faith is all in the, if you, if you like, all within the universal structure of God's truth and all of God's truths are loving. So we would never resort to violence just to protect a belief, no, if we had true faith. All right? And this is a very important thing to understand about faith. So this is very important to understand this number one thing, and that is that every personal opinion you have, doesn't matter where it came from, sooner or later in your future it has to disappear if you're going to be in complete harmony with God's truth.
2: And if we know that faith, based on false ideas and beliefs, is eventually going to have to die or leave us, the faith that we have in truth, the faith that is based in absolute truth, what's going to happen to that? It's only going to grow, isn't it? Because it reinforces itself with love and truth.
1: So that's a very important principle about faith.
6: But the sad thing is that most of humanity has not got the discernment and the knowledge about what the real truth is.
1: I don't agree. Like most, if you apply the ethical uh, standards upon most things in humanity, you can see that straight away all of us would know. So, for example, the ethical standard is I, would, I want to treat you the same way I would like you to treat me not whether not how you treat me but how I would like you to treat me now if that's my standard I would have a large degree of knowledge of truth already right so whenever you start yelling at me I'd go do I want to yell at her back no because her yelling at me doesn't feel very good and I wouldn't want to I, what I would like her to do is stop yelling at me so I would never yell back at you as a result of that does that make sense if I had that ethical standard And I feel if we have ethical standards, and if all religions were based primarily on ethical standards first, we would not have any religious violence on this planet. None whatsoever. If we were all brought up with these ethical standards of, I'm going to treat, no matter what your beliefs are, no matter what your circumstances are, no matter how you act towards me, I'm going to treat you in the way I want you to act towards me, not in the way that you are acting towards me. Now, if that was taken as my standard, I would already have a lot of truth in my day-to-day life.
2: I'd know the truth about what's loving, what's kind, what's considerate, what's, what's the way to treat my brothers and sisters.
1: And remember, we're saying that all truth is based upon love and loving standards. So if that's the case, if I'm just being ethical in my day-to-day life, even, and without God, without any knowledge of God, doesn't matter... Or with God, it doesn't matter which way, as long as I had ethical standards, I would already have a large degree of truth.
3: Okay, I get
1: yeah, that. Yeah. Does that make sense? So, so I don't feel we can say, oh, but we don't know, or the majority of people on earth don't know what's, uh, what's true. I can't agree with that. The majority of us do know, and we don't give a damn. Do you understand? We do know how we would like to be treated, but we are willing to treat other people badly, Right?
2: Because ours is a special case. Because ours
1: you know, <laughs> some kind of, you know, we have some kind of unique circumstances. And we don't. Like, if we, if we look at it properly, we, are, we cannot continue to justify bad behaviour from ourselves towards others, no matter what how they behave towards us. Does that make sense? And if we continue to justify it, all we are doing is continuing the cycle of badness on the planet. So what happens normally on this planet is that one person yells at another. So that person yells back. And then the other person who yelled first wants to yell louder. So he yells louder. And the other person starts going, well, I can't yell louder than he is now. So what I need to do is get out something like a rock or a gun or a you know, knife or a bazooka and, <laughs> and, and blow him away. You know? and, and this is how wars have begun through this process of anger, rage, anger, rage, escalating into vi- violent rage, and, and none of this works. We should know this by now. We're intelligent people. We know that this escalating violence doesn't work, but if you think about your own life in your own day-to-day life, how often does it happen in your family? How often does it happen when, with, with your own husband and wife relationship where one gets a little bit antsy, the other one escalates and the other one escalates and before you know it there's you know, either crosswords or no words for a few days like a, a Cold War situation <laughs> inside of the family. And we've had whole countries like you know, Russia and America in a Cold War situation for years and years and years and we don't, we don't go, Wow. Well, yeah, that's probably because in our own families we often revert to <laughs> Cold War situations. And we don't see what's really going on. And what we need to do is take more stock of ourselves, not the other person, but of ourselves. We need to be more honest about our own emotional condition.
2: All and, these, Sorry. Sorry? Yeah, I was just thinking about all these countries quietly stockpiling weapons. How often we do that in our relationships, we quietly stockpile that. Oh, it's like you've got an
1: intellectual <laughs> list of everything yeah. the other person has done wrong and whenever some <laughs> situation flares up, what do you do? You bring Checklist. up the, in- yeah. the list, you know. <laughs> you did this three years ago and five years ago you did this and so forth. Isn't that the same as stockpiling a nuclear arsenal? And then you wonder why they, they're, not, they're still stockpiling nuclear arsenals. Well, because your own emotions dictate that kind of action towards another. Instead of letting things go, instead of letting these, these damaging, harmful emotional conditions go. And why don't we let them go? Because we have no faith, no faith that if we are loving, things will become good. So we have no faith in love. That's the reason why we don't let it go. Um, rob. rob
8: yeah i don't know if other people have the experience but you grow up with a sort of religious beliefs and and you realize that a lot of those are false after a while mm-hmm. so you end up having no faith so you're saying you're actually in a better position then than having the false belief? totally
1: better position yeah. because all the things yeah. remember if we establish a religious position many of the things we have a faith in are over in this false beliefs area right and, and all of God's laws are all trying to destroy them. I before oh, yeah. E, except after C. Um, <laughs> please. So, so, so all of God's laws are trying to destroy those beliefs. So it's great when they've all gone. <laughs> Not a bad thing. And a person says, I've got no faith at all now. No, what they've often got in that place is a lot of anger and sadness. Right? If you let go of the anger and sadness that your faith has been destroyed, now you're, you're with a blank slate and you're willing to now learn the absolute truth from God in that place. And that's a fantastic yeah. place to be. And yeah.
2: ironically, often, as you let go of the anger and the grief about it, truth just seems to float. You go, oh, no, I know that thing was right and that thing was definitely wrong.
1: Yeah. yeah. So I would not be concerned about the sort of the destruction of faith When faith is attached to false beliefs, because all false beliefs must be eventually destroyed if we're ever going to experience love on this planet. Any false belief we have about being loving or being unloving needs to go if we're really going to ever, as a society, change where we still honour each other's desires, we still honour each other's individuality, we still honour each other's right to make decisions and choices for their own lives, we still honour that they have different beliefs, but we're unwilling to act out of harmony with love whenever anybody is in a different place than ourselves. A different culture, different religion, different gender, different whatever. It doesn't matter, we're still going to love them. And that is the most important thing that we we need to realise, and it's the false beliefs that stop us from doing that. And that's why, in the end, God God wants you to get rid of them. <laughs> so,
2: Lulene. Oh, yeah, and Graham. So we'll go Lorraine and Graham. Yep.
0: Um, I just want to um, go. How I say this? The Eastern philosophy that I followed. I understand now is is not for me Um, but that
1: when you say it's not for you is it just not for you or is it false
0: well it's false that I understand
1: okay (laughs) see can you say can can you see even there's an unwillingness to state when things are false or true when when you've discovered something is false then say it not not just say it's not for me that's an avoidance of a conflict with another person who believes in those things that's what that is. Yeah, you follow me? Yeah,
0: it's family. So, stuff.
1: so when you say, oh, the Eastern philosophies that I had before aren't for me, mm-hmm. all you're doing is expressing your fear. And your fear is, I can't say they are false. <laughs> I've discovered that they're false. Yeah. Because other people might get challenged by that. And I'm saying, good, other people need to be challenged by that. <laughs> because anything that is false, as I've just drawn up here, is completely challenged by the universal truth. And it's not my truth, it's God's truth. It's truth that God can teach us through a process. So so any any time we need to be firmer for this truth, we need to go, it's not just good not good for me anymore, it's not good for the entire planet.
0: Yeah, I guess I'm reiterating what's happened in my family. I um, know. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, when I went down that path for 20 years, and they kept saying, well what if you discover that you're wrong? And I'll say, well, I'm, I'll be wrong. And now, like, I've changed. And, and you've
1: discovered you were wrong. Yeah, and yeah.
0: if I say anything like what I'm saying, um, they they often go, well, you, you're so arrogant. What makes you think you know? And then I go, well, I know only intellectually what you tell me because I haven't felt it except parts of it. So, no. Yeah,
1: see, I can't agree with that. It, you only know the things you've felt. So you can hear a lot of yeah. things from myself, and we've, like, we've done 900 hours of talking, so that is recorded. So that's a lot of things to hear. It does not mean that you know any of them until you feel them. When you feel them, you will not have an arrogance, but you will have a firmness for everything that you hear. When, this is one thing you, that I feel we don't understand about love. Love is strong. Once it's based on truth, right? If love, so called love, is not based on truth, it's weak as anything, it's weaker than the, than the weakest substance you can imagine because it, all we've got to do is throw a bit of stuff at it and it disappears, right? But love based on truth is not like that. Love based on truth stands up for itself. It's very different.
0: Well, what I was trying to get to you know, was that. Right? <laughs> The, the love that we were taught under this Eastern philosophy mm-hmm. was um, no violence and da-da-da. Yep. Um, what I understand now is it was a lot of suppression. And um, um, so the... So
1: can I say that the love you were taught to have no violence, for example, yeah. that is not, that's a good thing, is it not? No violence is a good thing?
0: Yeah, but... Uh, it was still coming out of me, but...
1: I agree. But, so the problem was not the teaching, but the fact is that that teaching was not in your heart. That was the problem. So the problem with many beliefs on the planet is not necessarily the teachings themselves, but the fact that the teaching of truth, which is uh, no violence, is a divine truth. God doesn't want any violence, doesn't want us to be violent. So that's a divine truth, right? So that's a divine truth that, that we have a choice of either intellectually trying to follow or it's in our heart. I'm suggesting to you if, it, if, if you were still being violent with people, still being angry with people and so forth, then that means it wasn't in your heart. And that's the problem. The problem is it wasn't in your heart. Now, the, the real question then is, how do I get this teaching, which is the truth, into my heart? That's the real question. How do I get it there? So in, no matter what philosophy I have, no matter what religious faith I have, the real question becomes: if this, if I know this teaching of my faith, whatever that my faith is, is an absolute truth of God, because it makes logical sense, it's totally scientific, and it and it makes uh, uh, social sense as well, and all the other places where it, where it's logical to apply it towards, and if it makes total sense to me. then then the issue that I face personally is how do I get that teaching in my heart? That's the issue. And I'm saying to you, it's very hard to get it in your heart through your own effort. Right? The way to get it into your heart is to receive some of God's love into your heart and then whatever is the reason why this teaching is not in your heart will be exposed and you'll have to process some emotion about it. And you'll let go of the idea or concept that violence is justified under certain circumstances. And that will happen in your heart. Now, remember when uh, Rochelle asked the first question today, the issue is we get into our head thinking that we can practice divine truth by following what's in our head, but the reality is we can't. It can only happen by our heart being transformed. And our heart can only be transformed by two methods. One method is you using personal effort to change your heart every single moment of your life. That's one method. That's called the natural love method. The second method is you, through a relationship with God, receiving God's love into your heart, which will automatically expose all of these errors that are in your heart and release them. That's the second method that is the method I'm recommending to you because it's the fastest method to change. Most people who are members of religions do not actually change in their heart. They change their actions without changing their heart and so what happens? A, an external circumstance of some kind comes up such as somebody murders their own child or some some kind of very extreme circumstance like that and immediately because this action was not in their heart, they revert to what is in their heart instantly. A justification in this case of violence. Right? That's why we have violence continual, even though most religions on the planet teach otherwise. So if you look at most of the holy books on the planet, they all mention that it's not loving to be violent all the time. right? And yet, What do we see? We still see religious violence. Why? Because the teaching hasn't entered the heart. If the teaching had entered the heart, there would be no motivation towards religious violence. There would be no motivation for violence of any sort if the teaching was in the heart. So the key question then is, how do I get the teaching in the heart? That's the key question, isn't it? Because if we truly want to change what goes on on this planet... We are going to need to have God's truth written in our heart, not not on a piece of paper somewhere, not in a book somewhere, but actually written on our heart, so much so that it's an automatic thing for us to engage that particular truth. Does that make sense, lovely?
0: Yeah, but uh, what I'm feeling is okay if I'm believing that I'm praying but mm-hmm. it's not happening, yeah. then I'm doing something that is not, I haven't, I don't know what else to do if, like, I've got all these. Well, issues. you're
1: not being honest with yourself. Yeah. If, you, <laughs> if you're believing thing. you're play, praying and nothing's happening yeah. and you're not getting the answers you want, you, what you think you want, then you're not being honest with yourself. It's, you're you not ha- you really praying. You have to do
2: this. Everyone, <laughs> all of us, have to do this thing. Get real.
1: Like, many of, you go, many of you go, oh, I've prayed for divine love, but I haven't received much. And, then you, and, I, and I say, why? And you go, I don't know. What? How <laughs> can you not know? From God's perspective, he wants to give you it. So what can be the only reason why you're not receiving it? Because you don't want it for some reason. That's the only reason. Uh, that and can be the only reason. Y-
2: yeah, and I feel often oft we have these ideas of ourselves that we want to hold on to. We want to go. No, I was really praying, and I, I, and really, when we sincerely engage in prayer, it is my experience that even if I don't receive divine love, I certainly get a lot more real with what's inside of me because it's a hard opening process. Prayer, so but often these things start coming up, and we go, no, no, that's not me. Uh. No, no, I couldn't have that feeling because I judge that one, or you know, I actually just want God to meet my demands, or as you were talking about yesterday, just make my pain go away, or actually, I don't, like I shared earlier, I don't feel worthy of this love.
1: But what we we're not seeing in all of that, I feel, is that God is showing us every single moment of every single day what is wrong. Yeah. So we've got to be pretty blind <laughs> to not see it. Honestly, <laughs> we do. We have to be pretty blind to not see it. Every law of the universe is created for you to see it. And if you're asking God, if if you're engaging this biggest law of divine love, the the law that we started talking about tomorrow, and you're engaging this law accurately, and, and you're asking God to receive God's love into your heart, right, to help transform you, and you're not receiving, then don't go blaming God and say, oh, maybe God doesn't want to do it today. Or maybe maybe God's gone asleep, you know, like maybe I've got to wake God up first. Knock, 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 knock. you wake up? Or, or what is it? What is it that we're trying to do with God? God's there all the time waiting for us to have a sincere, pure desire for this love. So if we're not receiving it, we can only reflect that it must be something that we are doing. Right? We stop, we've got to stop being blind to that.
2: Absolutely. Lots of us have decided we can see evidence of all these laws working. We, we have experiences and we think, oh, I can see that the law of attraction is really real. And then when we go to pray, we go, yep, yeah, but not in this occasion. I think you
1: know? what, <laughs> I think what we need to do is raise the next issue because yeah. it will help also solidify what we need to do with faith, right? Because it, it's really important to understand how all of this affects your day-to-day life. Many Many of you are getting so complicated in your internal reasoning, that, that that you're going way, way away from the simplicity of something that a child can understand with regard to their relationship with God. And so it's very important that you give up all of this intellectual reasoning in the way that you're doing it, because a lot of it is driven by doubt and fear, which is the opposite of faith. So most of our intellectual reasonings are all driven by doubts and fears. So when I say God is a God of love, you say, but oh, but what about when this happened on the earth or that happened on the earth? Where was the God of love then? Well, there's your doubt and fear coming up. Feel it. Allow yourself to work your way through it. If you got raised towards God about it, let yourself process that. But get to the point where you've let these things go so that you're clear enough to be able to reason on this issue that God is love, for example. Now, there's so many people, so many religions that say God is love new age religion, the, the, uh, well, I, I suppose they wouldn't like me calling them a religion, but um, the new age sort of process mm-hmm. of spirituality, you know, the Hindu religion, the Buddhist religion, the, the Muslim religion, and the Christian religion, so all of those religions uh, basically assume that God is a God of love, and yet they don't act that God is, a, there's no belief in that, in their heart, they justify violence constantly, they even think God justifies violence constantly, which is the opposite of love. Right, so, so that it's not in the heart, that is the problem. So the question is, how do we get it in the heart? So let's look at what the next issue is with regard to faith. What do you think it might be? So this is, the faith is based on an absolute truth, right? So we, we've got that. Yep. So what's next? And I think you have trouble finding out what's next, actually. Yep. So we might as well read out what's next.
2: Faith holds on to absolute truth in all circumstances.
1: So here faith believes absolute truth, but it also holds on to absolute truth. Now what do we mean by that? Faith recognises that inside of yourself, you have a lot of errors. Faith recognises that. And what it does is it says, right, obviously God is a God of love. But inside of me, sometimes I think God's not a God of love. Sometimes I think God's punishing me. Sometimes I think God's cruel. Sometimes I think, you know, and whatever, put, it, put anything after that about God that you believe that's out of harmony with love. Sometimes I think God justifies violence. Sometimes I think God's not very just. Sometimes I feel like the things that happen to me are, are very unjust, and that, is, that means that God's not just, and so forth, right? These are the kinds of beliefs we have inside of ourselves. Now, we honour the fact that we have these beliefs when we have faith. We honour the fact that we have beliefs that are out of harmony with love inside of ourselves, right? But what we do is we hold on to the truth of these things. So for example, if my belief is that God, God is sometimes punishing, and even intellectually I realize, so from an intellectual perspective I realize, um, in contrast to that, that God is never punishing. then what I would do if I had faith is that I would always act in harmony with that belief, even though it's not inside me yet. Right, And I would be willing to emotionally process through that belief that is false at the same time. Now, many of you are trying to accept this belief while not emotionally processing through that belief. And of course, you're not going to have faith like that. You have to do both things. You, if you're going to accept this truth, which you can recognize even intellectually and logically as a truth or that is divine in nature or that must come from God. And at the same time, you realize that that's the feeling you have within yourself. If you're unwilling to process your way through that feeling, you will never actually finish up having this feeling in your heart. The false belief will prevent the truth from ever entering your heart. So many of you are trying to act in harmony with this without releasing this. And it's impossible to change that way. Impossible. Many of you have been doing it for years and it's totally impossible. Many of you are becoming tired of doing it and I understand why. Because it's impossible. Right? It's impossible to change this way.
2: And there's often a lot of anger associated with these feelings. And unless we're willing to be humble to the process of feeling that and feeling what's underneath it, then we end up actually ga- gathering evidence for a lack of faith. We see everything around us and go, yep, there's more evidence that this is true. Yep, there you we go. Remember and yesterday,
1: Sam, uh, Sam, Sam, you, where are you now? Are you here today, Sam? Yes. Yep, you asked the question, remember? You said, how can I have faith in love? I don't believe in love. Right? It's
2: going to take from so, me.
1: So here, if we, if we substitute Sam's example into here. All right? So what are, what are your feelings about love, Sam? If we can maybe hand the mic to her. What are your feelings about love? Your true feelings, you know? The ones that you don't want to admit to anybody and yourself sometimes. <laughs>
2: um, I feel that um, when I'm in a... situation where someone loves me that that means that they're going to take from me
1: so love if we write down the definition of love for you love takes yep
2: um i feel like uh, love sacrifices
1: sacrifices
0: and demands
1: demands yeah mother's day good demanding day (laughs) who's feeling guilty
2: you're not with your mom or maybe yeah. you are it's just like this sucking feeling you know
1: okay it sucks the life out of me
2: <laughs> and do you feel like there's duty involved Sam like yes there's roles and obligation. Duty? obligation
1: duty obligation now how many of you would have to admit that's how you feel about love Right? Uh, quite a lot of us right now I've said for five years that love isn't isn't like that, and none of you have accepted the truth in your heart. You still feel this about love. Does that make sense? So what is the truth about love that you've been taught for five years? That love is a gift. Right? It never sacrifices. Right? It never demands. And I've said all of these things to you over and over again, yes? It gives you life. There is no duty and complete freedom. <laughs> now that's, that's almost the polar opposite, is it not? Of the previous thing. Now, here, understand, Sam, I'm not making fun of you because I feel that the majority of people have, still have these beliefs about love. Do you understand? This is a very common thing. That this is how we see love. Yeah? Now, this is God's truth. This is yours. Your This is your opinion, your belief. Now, how is God's truth ever going to get into your heart while these beliefs remain in your heart? The answer is, it's not. It doesn't matter how much we talk about it, it's not going to happen.
2: And what I've found is... Sitting in my anger about this set of beliefs not only causes me to emotionally gather evidence, look around me and go, yep, there it is again. Yep, there it is again, yep, there it is again. That's it and it reinforces. Proof itself. to me,
1: proof yep. to me. This proves it's to me I'm right, I'm, I'm right, right. I'm right. Yep. I'm right. Love is sacrifice, <laughs> love is demand, love is obligation. I don't want any part of it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and any man comes along, he says, I oh, I love you, you're beautiful. You go, No, you don't, this is what you like. <laughs> isn't that how it is (laughs) right why do you think half of the ladies are not in a relationship isn't that how you feel so so it's like no no i can't have have that
2: but what i've found is if i'm willing to act in a little bit of faith and even emotionally entertain this idea immediately a lot of other feelings start to happen in relation to this other belief suddenly my anger is like my defense mechanism yep and I've got lots of evidence, as soon as I emotionally exercise some faith, entertain, okay, maybe this is wrong, not only do I start to feel more pain about this situation, which is exactly what I'm trying to avoid in my angry stance, but I suddenly recognise, hang on, there is loads of evidence for this second truthful belief. But when I'm sitting in that rage about this one, I don't even see see it. You won't see
1: them. So how do we get that to there? That's the question, isn't it? Well, the the first thing is, we need to get rid of that out of there, (laughs) don't we, obviously? And we need to also, at the same time, have faith that this is the actual true position. You see, at the moment, many of you don't have faith that that is the actual true position. So
2: what would be the quickest, most rapid-fire way to do exactly what he just said? To get this out of me and have faith in this. What would be the number one thing I could do? Not cry. Oh, pray. Pray. Who's got a mic? Yep, Graham.
8: Act on the second one?
2: No, well, how would you act on the second one?
1: Um,
8: Don't sacrifice, don't demand.
2: No, there's an even quicker thing you could do. Fab? Experiment. Yep, how would you experiment?
9: I try that love is a gift and that love doesn't sacrifice in myself. And
2: who's the best person to experiment with? God. Yep.
9: Mm.
2: Ask God for love. See how it turns out. See whether
9: God's love
1: takes from you or gives to you. See whether God's love demands anything from you or just is. See whether God's love sucks the life out of you or makes you feel like enlivened.
2: And see what emotions start coming up in me as I ask and as I receive. Yep. Yep. This, is, this is in contrast to the way that lots of us have been trying, which is, I'll just cry that out of me and then I'll be brave enough to ask God for love. And, and I don't even it's right. feel
1: most of you have been trying that, to be frank. Most of you have been trying... No, I want to keep believing that love is demanding. How dare you tell me love isn't demanding? How dare you tell me that? I, I think it is. I think it is. Don't try to tell me something different. That's how most of us have been, right? And, and isn't that how the world generally is? when we talk about love or truth or any other thing like that. Don't tell me that. That's not right. you know. And they fight for this false belief. And the reality is most of us are still fighting for our false beliefs because this has been our experience up till now with so-called love, right? But we haven't recognized one thing, and that is none of that is love. What we've been experiencing isn't love. If we, if we were taken from, sacrificed, we had demands made of us, it sucked the life out of us, and we had duty and obligations, none of that is love. And we're still calling it love. We still believe it's love. And that's our problem. Because if we started to see love is like this, love is a gift that never sacrifices, never demands, and we believed that was love, do you think we'd be so upset about love? Of course not, you'd be wanting it. <laughs> you'd want to receive it, right? Can you see we have to have some faith in that process that this is the true position. So faith holds on to the absolute truth. Faith does not hold on to the error. Most of you are still trying to hold on to the error. And of course, you're not going to have much faith like that. Yeah. If we have Lily. Um,
6: I've got some confusion about faith versus truth Yep. because you talk about um, faith being based on an experience and so you have an experience and then the truth enters you yeah right but
1: there. it has to be a truthful experience it can't be an error-based experience see this is the thing where many of you started to get confused yesterday you were thinking I was talking about one thing when I was talking about something completely different. And this is what we want to clarify today. So if we continue to clarify what we spoke of yesterday in this manner, I'm sure it will become clear to you how experience affects your faith.
6: Huh? Can I carry on? Far um, It seems like you need to, to take a leap of faith in order to get the experience. You get do. The faith.
1: That's, the bo- that's the point of faith.
6: Well, this is why I don't
2: understand. But you take a leap
1: of faith in the truth that you know at this point in time.
2: This is how I feel about it, is that in order to grow faith, I have to experiment. So in that moment, there's not on this issue, there's not faith in me about this. I'm experimenting with it. That allows me to have an experience which grows my faith. But this second point that we're talking about is that some of us have had experiences which have grown our faith in certain truths, but then we don't want to act in harmony with them and so our faith can never grow. Does that make sense?
1: The... The... Sorry. What's the problem? Tell me the emotional problem.
6: You feel faithless. Oh, I've got complete confusion.
1: Okay. Now, what's your primary problem that we've always discussed with you? <laughs> Whenever you go into confusion, what do you do?
6: Um, I, my brain stops working
1: Exactly, yeah. why does this happen?
6: Because of the spirit. You've got a
1: clever right. Luli, by the way, is a brain scientist, basically <laughs> And her brain stops working when she gets confused right. She's okay. not used to being confused So why does this happen? You're not used to being confused <laughs> yeah. but, but what happens when you get confused? What emotionally happens?
6: I start to panic
1: Yes, so what's starting to happen now Is fear starts coming up in you What does fear do?
6: Well, that's what shuts down my brain,
1: right? Fear shuts down everything. It shuts down your ears, your eyes, everything. You know, it shuts down everything. It's a terrible, terrible response. And, and the reason why is because it, you know, it has certain psychological effects on us as well, fear. And so what happens is we, we hear something, we hear something, and then as, the, then as the confusion grows, which is the real emotion that you feel, the confusion grows. Instead of just sitting with what being presented with and pondering about it, you want to understand it right now. Why do you have to understand it right now? What happened in your childhood?
3: Yeah.
1: So you have to understand it right now. Because right now means that now you're clever. Now you're good. Now you're daddy's girl again, right? All, right, all these right now things. You don't have to understand it right now. What we're presenting here, you, you, God, God's okay with you not understanding it for the next 10 years but you're not. (laughs) That's the problem, right? But go on. That's the emotional problem. Do we still want to work with the fear, or what do we want to do?
6: Well, I sat in confusion all day yesterday, and then I was following Mary's advice of voicing it today. Awesome. (laughs) ask a question. That's good. Yeah. That's
1: good. But understand where your confusion is coming from. Yeah, uh, Yeah. It's not coming from anything we're presenting. It's coming from... This feeling that happens inside of you that when you get into confusion, your fear is triggered. As soon as your fear is triggered, now it's very hard to hear anything. It's very hard to understand in that place. So what I'm suggesting is maybe watch this video over and let yourself have the fear. Let yourself feel the fear. Let that go. And then when you let it go, you'll go, oh, that's what they were saying. You know? And you won't need to have it reasoned upon and reasoned upon over and over again before you get it. And it's actually better that it happens that way because you get rid of some fear in the process, fear that is influencing all of your ability to understand. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Could I just um, talk about this one thing, though, that I think Luli is getting at? (laughs) (laughs) Yesterday we talked about faith, or you talked about faith, growing through having an experience, didn't you?
1: Yeah, but it has to be an experience based on truth.
2: And the question, I think, does anyone else have the question, what do you do when you haven't had the first experience? Yeah. So everyone has, or a lot of you have that question. Yeah. And that's where I believe we experiment based on some intellectual faith.
1: Yep. Yeah. Do you understand the difference between an intellectual faith, which is really just a concept or an idea based on logic? Right? Now, most of you have some logic, or, or maybe not <laughs> is that an assumption <laughs> logic logic is possible when we reason reason about things right this is like god gave us a brain use it <laughs> like most religions say no no faith is not about using your brain i can't agree right they say faith is all about there's this there's this thing it doesn't have to make sense I can't agree with that either. It has to make complete sense. Right? If you're going to have any faith at all, it has to begin with something making complete sense. Right? So, so what I'm suggesting to you is, is forget about this faith in all these abstract concepts and ideas, that, you know they're just great ideas or whatever, and focus on what does make complete sense. And that was what I would call an intellectual concept or an idea or shall we put in quotations, an intellectual faith, an intellectual concept or idea that this might be, might be, because we don't know for certain, but this might be the absolute truth. Right? Now, the reason why many of you keep coming along to my presentations, even though the, that it's not in your heart yet, is because you believe in your intellect that it might be the truth.
2: But so, why hasn't the faith grown, the heart faith grown? What's the missing ingredient? The experiment, exactly. Well, I
1: feel there's two missing ingredients, actually. The first (laughs) one is the willingness to make the experiment, right? And we'll talk more about the experiment in a minute when we make our final list about faith, (laughs) 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 right? But another reason is that the experiment would give us love. And love is what grows real faith. Love results in real Solid faith growing. Does that make sense? And this is why in the message of Solomon, that was written in 1916, I should mention. Tony pointed out it's the 20th of April, 1916, on the on the pageant messages. He said, "The love will come, and with it, faith. All right, true faith. So true faith is a heart-based operation." Not a head-based operation, but it has to be based on logic. It can't be based on just a concept or an idea that's wishful thinking. It has to have actually happened. Not something that just we imagined happened. Many people say, we ask many people, have you received divine love? They say, oh yeah, I think I have. What? If you think you have, you haven't. (laughs) Probably, if that's what you're saying. You will know when you have. And you'll know. You'll know that you've received some divine Now, some people say to us, Oh, yeah, I think I have. And it felt really wonderful. And I I felt really happy for days and days. And it was really great. And I was having all of... Everybody was giving me exactly what I wanted. And I go, yeah. That sounds to me like a spirit giving you some addictions. Not God giving you some love. Because God confronts all of your addictions.
2: In fact, in this process trying an experiment and asking for and receiving love what like that brings up a lot of emotion even just the first step doesn't it we just talked about how most of us don't do it because we want to hold on to these ideas about love
1: most of you so, don't experiment for reasons you're afraid you're afraid that you're wrong you're afraid of all sorts of things afraid that god's not going to give you it and that means that you're there's something wrong with you Right? And all these things.
2: And do you know why I feel lots of us get distressed when we start talking about this faith issue? Similar to Lulu, like, hang on, hang on. What happens if I don't have it yet? (laughs) is because we are uncomfortable with that feeling of like, hang on, to get faith, I'm going to have to do something that might feel a little bit scary.
1: Might have to take risks.
2: And often that's, I know from personal experience, Every time the topic of faith would come up, I would just get, I'd go into meltdown because I'd be like, well, what is it? And how do I get it? And what it? And anything but the truth, which I already knew, that I just needed to do these two things. That's all. Yeah.
1: Yep. So let's write down more of this because as it, as it fleshes out, what we will see is, and, and perhaps by the time we've presented everything as a summary of faith, we'll be able to ask more questions about that and get, ...and get a concise feeling within ourselves what, what it means to have faith. So what's the next one?
2: Okay. Faith is based upon experience.
1: So this is the faith... ...based on... ...experience.
2: So this is a lot of what we've already been mentioning, hey?
1: Now, if the experience was painful then that tells us that error was involved. (laughs) If the experience was pleasurable, that tells us that there might be two reasons for that. One is that we're in our addiction, or two, that we're actually having a truth-based experience. Now, if it's addiction, it will eventually turn out to be painful in the long run. (laughs) so in both cases we're going it's going to turn out to be painful the only one that's going to turn out to be pleasurable is the truth if the experience has been truthful based on absolute truth of the universe so so true faith is based on knowing the experience and it's very hard to describe because many of you are so intellectually bound with having certain experiences still, and trying to work out everything intellectually, that it's very hard for us to define to you what it feels like when you all of a sudden become aware of a truth, and it's not just the same as having a light bulb moment, you know, as they say. It's not only a light bulb moment, but but rather it's a moment that actually affects the rest of your life from that instant onwards, right? Because of the other qualities of faith which we'll go through in a minute. Remember, here what we're doing is we're defining, and, and maybe we should put it <laughs> up the top, we're defining faith by giving you a, a number of points which all must be true. Do you understand? In order for there to be real faith, all of these points must be true. They, it must be based on absolute truth, it must hold on to the absolute truth, it must be based on an experience that you have, not just a thought that you've got an experience that you had. It can't be just a personal opinion or a personal belief. None of those things are ever going to satisfy your faith, ever. That's why a lot of religions have so much difficulty with this. You know? They say, oh, we have faith that Jesus' blood sacrifice gives us a relationship with God. How many Christians actually feel that? Every time they look up at the cross that's sitting in their church, they wonder why Jesus is still hanging there. Wouldn't you wonder why I'm still hanging there? Like, like I go and I go, yeah, there's a person who is hung up on sacrifice. Literally.
2: An organisation. An
1: organisation that's hung up on the belief of sacrifice. Now, we said earlier that sacrifice is not love. So it's not hung up on love, it's hung up on the opposite of love, right? And these kind of problems cause this painful feeling so everyone feels pain when they start having their religious faith many people and the reason why they feel so much pain and no joy is because they are hung up on the principle of sacrifice many of them and that's one reason why they're feeling pain eventually the error will be exposed through the painful experience yeah that's what will happen
7: Is it true then that the experience then you, you feel like you grow and that you have clarity or a surety on an issue?
1: You do, but it's even bigger than that in that it affects you for the rest of your life without you having to think about it again.
7: So it's like a life-changing moment. So,
1: so it's a life-changing moment that makes you automatically do new things without you having to try. Yes. Right. It feels like to step
7: out in faith there's like a fog and then when you actually hit the mark it's like that fog lifts and there's a sense of, of like a firmer foundation. I agree. Faith, the issue. faith in the
1: end will lead to a firmer foundation. But you can't expect it right at, the, right at the start and this is the problem many of you have. Many of you wish to have right at the start a feeling that everything's firm.
2: We want faith before we go through the experience of getting faith, so it doesn't feel scary yeah, to get the faith. Yeah. <laughs> but you
1: can't get faith that way. Thank you.
2: But the beautiful thing is, once we start, then it's less scary and it's more giving and more exciting as we go. But we have to take that
5: first step. Yep.
1: yep. If we come across to Kate and across to Laura.
5: I was just um, thinking about what we learned through yesterday when you were exploring the physical laws, faith in physical laws, how faith was a building thing, like how the first time they flow, they flew, flow. Um, It went for seconds, but then it built up and now it can go for, like, you know, days. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was just sort of thinking about how... um, those light bulb moments or moments of intuition, like it can be building to, potentially to... Um, exactly. Like these bigger experiences that you're talking about that are life-changing.
1: Yeah. Can, can we just point out at qualities, three, three different qualities and the, their relationship? There's the quality of love, there's the quality of faith, and the quality of truth, and they all have very, very similar attributes in that they are all infinite in nature now if they're infinite in nature that means that at any one point in time you will not have the full limit of the quality it will grow through an experience in other words be constructed through an experience it's like building a building that never ends does that make sense And so if it's infinite in nature, love is infinite in nature, God's love we're talking about. God has this beautiful thing where our faith can continually grow and and, and be continually growing all the way through infinity. And truth, God's truth is infinite in nature. They're all very similar in their quality. If you look at uh, all of them too, they all have joy. Whenever you truly describe, have a feeling of love, you will always experience joy. Whenever you have true faith, you will always have joy. Joy doesn't depart. Many, for many of you, in the experience of divine truth, joy departs and then comes back and then departs and then comes back, right? Well, this is because the time when it's departed, it's because there's no faith. Because if there was faith, it would never depart. Does that make sense? And the same goes with truth, when truth, when we get truth and it actually enters our soul, there's this feeling of joy. We're overjoyed. We're not, we're not like most of you have been with me and they go, oh no, what's he going to say next? What's he going to say next? No, no, I don't want to hear another thing. You know, that's, that's not what we're like. We're going, yeah, I want this truth. You know, that's the feeling we have in it, it's the same, it's the joy. Now, remember yesterday, Mary was going to point out that we listed lots of qualities. Can you of remember? Of love.
2: Do you remember? Do
1: you remember what they were?
2: The we can just
1: yell them out. Excitement. Okay. So when you excitement or passionate, now when you experience love, you will be excited. When you experience true faith, you will also be excited. When you experience truth in your heart, you will also get excited. Right. This is the interesting thing about love, because really, in a lot of ways, faith and truth are. Attributes of love, so they are all related in the way in which they operate and how the experience they have inside of you. Does that make sense? So it's very important to understand it. Sorry, <laughs> Sorry you go, you go. I don't
2: want to rush you.
3: you
2: uh, conversely, in order for us to experience, express, receive love, there's two really great building blocks. To ina- to prepare our soul for that process, faith and truth. It's such a cool like thing, isn't it?
1: <laughs> right. And so, if you're not experiencing many of those things we listed yesterday with regard to love, then you then it means also that you're probably not experiencing them with regard to faith and regard to truth. And isn't that the case? If you think, if you reflect upon that yeah so so these qualities are very very related to each other now love is the biggest of all of these qualities but but faith uh, truth I would say is is an essential part of love but faith is also an essential part of love and that's going to not change even once you become at one with God because to go further than that and discover more truth, you're going to have to have some faith that more truth can be discovered. That makes sense, doesn't it? So, so these you. qualities, if you build them now inside of yourself while you're sitting here on earth, they are going to be essential for the rest of your life. They're going to affect every single aspect of your life, every single passionate area of passion that you have. So, so if you're passionate about music... For example, these three qualities are going to eventually affect you in some way. If you're passionate about science, these three qualities will affect you in some way. Even after you become at one with God, you will still need to grow more faith in things that you have yet to discover. right? Because we don't know all the truth because of the first quality. All all of these things are infinite in their nature. Uh, they allow, we can continually grow with them and you know what's beautiful as well and apart this is,
2: from that like wow
1: <laughs> is god created these qualities all infinite in nature and then god created the human soul that is also capable of having these qualities enter it infinitely So God created your soul with the ability to receive and grow each of these infinite kind of qualities in an infinite manner. That's the beauty of the creation of your soul. And your mind doesn't have that quality. Your spirit body's mind is useless when it comes to understanding these qualities. Right? Your physical brain is useless understanding these things. So so because they are all infinite in nature and your physical mind and your your physical brain and your spirit body's mind are not unlimited in their nature and never will be. Never will be. So this is why it's such an important thing to understand. That these infinite qualities can enter your infinitely expanding soul. And in fact, they are qualities that change your infinitely expanding soul. Yep. Alan, can I uh, got them here? Whoa. Whoa,
2: That's the it's the streamers from the ceiling moment, isn't it? Fairy <laughs> dust.
8: I'm getting bubbles up my back. Could be a yeah. spirit. Um,
1: a lot of our spirit friends, you know, our, our celestial spirit friends have have. Have personally experienced what I'm describing to you. Yeah. So that's why sometimes when I'm talking about it, you go, "Whoa!" And that—that's them going, "Whoa!" This is you. You have to understand this because it's so important to you the rest of your existence—not just your existence here. Yeah.
8: Oh, thanks, guys. Um, a question I have—a um, topic of interest—a couple of weeks ago, you mentioned on a, a video on the through the healing group that Christians. A lot of people in certain religions, I think it was Christians you mentioned, are developed more in love than what we are currently. Yes, I agree. So my question is, um, if you're following a particular spiritual path or a religion that has a, a high percentage of error, yep. te- teachings in it, how, how are they developing their faith and developing more love when there's... Yeah.
2: Do you know what? that Many Christians have... Some truth has entered them that hasn't entered many of us and they have faith in some things that haven't entered many of oh, us. What do you think yeah. they are? Even though there's a whole bunch of error in their faith system...
8: I guess they're believing truth. more in God and God's love.
1: Yes, exactly. so they have a very strong focus on God's love. Yeah. Good.
2: And what's the second one? Relating to...
8: Personal experience? Or...
2: Oh, is it the same second one that you've got that no, I've No, got? you
1: far away. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm going out on a limb. <laughs> uh, I think it's about something about between each other that that Jesus mentioned earlier. That if we all developed this, we would have more truth already. Ethics. Is that your number?
8: morals yeah
1: remember it's what's in the heart not what's in your head that defines how developed you are so for many christians they've received a lot of love god's love into their heart because they've had a sincere desire for it and they have a strong faith that they're going to receive it Mm. and they've had personal experiences of receiving it when they're singing in church or whatever it is they're receiving it right And as a result of that, they've received divine love. And they also have acted in harmony with the ethics, as they've described in the Bible. Now, some of the Bible's ethics are off, but many of the Christians focus primarily on my words in Matthew, where I said that you do unto others what you would have them do unto you. And that's their ethical stance. And as a result of that, many of them are very, very loving in their actions with each other. Now, because of those two particular things, they've got quite a strong faith.
8: And I've noticed there's a lot of excitement when you hear about their charity work overseas and, and how they got stuck in an airport and there was a terrorist thing and, the, and they just prayed and had a lot of faith that they would get out of that situation. Exactly. And things happen even better than that.
1: Exactly. Because God answers everyone. Not, it doesn't matter what, what uh, intellectual belief system you have. And it doesn't matter if you believe that Jesus died for your sin and all these other belief systems. God's responding to the heart feeling that you have inside of you. And many Christians have a very strong heart feeling. Heart feelings that many of you have yet to actually discover within yourself. Does that make sense? Yeah, it and, and by the way, many Muslims have the same kind of heart feeling with God, by the way. right? So many of these religions that you have personally condemned in the past because of their false beliefs, right, you have been judgmental of because of their false beliefs, they're actually doing better than you are because they have this heart-based
8: And I've just feeling. been touching on and crying how I've been judging certain yep. spiritual practices, and, yep. including and see... the ones that I practiced in the past. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah.
2: Can you see how that's helping you develop yeah. this heart feeling of ethics and morality? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. So so this is why it's so important to give up these concepts that we have of judging other people for what they believe. It's not what they believe that mat- that matters so much because what did I say about people's personal beliefs and opinions? They don't matter at all. <laughs> what matters is what's in their heart. And honestly, I've I've talked to many people from all sorts of walks of I've talked to atheists that have better feelings in their heart than some of you do towards me, huh right? atheists who you condemn as not having any belief in God at all and and I go, no, they have a lot of natural love in them, these guys that I've spoken to they care about me as an individual they they are respectful of my space, time and energy, much more than many of you have been and, and so that tells me they have more love in their heart. And it's love in your heart that matters. Not love like, as, you, as an intellectual concept. It's how you actually act and what's inside of your heart that matters. That's, how, that's what all of God's laws that govern the universe are all about that. So that probably brings us to something I, I probably should list as well. And that is God's laws itself. <laughs> Remember yesterday we said that faith is based upon... Is based on universal law, which is all. I'm talking now about God's laws, which are all truth and all loving. All right. Okay. Now there's some more that we, you want to.
2: Yep. Number five. Five. Right. Um, faith comes when divine love comes, which you've already mentioned a little.
1: Now, here we're talking about... Remember, we discussed faith from a purely physical perspective yesterday. But now we're talking about faith in regard to your relationship with God. And faith comes when God's love enters you.
2: So just on that point, babe, would you say these first four, we could apply to faith in anything?
1: Yes. So the first four you can apply to faith in anything...
2: So the Wright brothers <laughs> grew their faith based on those four things, the faith that they could fly have an aeroplane. Yeah.
1: But faith in God and God's nature will only start coming when this starts getting engaged. Yeah. Shall we list all the other points before we discuss them? Perhaps that's a good thing.
2: Okay. This one we've, we just mentioned earlier. Faith comes from love and is therefore similar in nature to love? Uh, uh,
1: what we're saying there basically is that faith, love and truth all have <laughs> similar qualities. Similar qualities.
2: And we've written here in our notes... Yeah. ...qualities without truth neither love nor faith can exist so truth is always this building block or and this is where when we don't have any faith yet through experience if we have some intellectual faith in truth that we've heard and test it in an experiment we grow faith Mm -hmm. yeah and it can never be stagnant is something that um, you wanted to mention, probably related to that, yeah. same as truth. Uh, same and as and love, particularly, rather.
1: one quality is the infinite nature, right? And that means that you are never going to stop, you are never going to stagnate. So a faith that stagnates, and many religious. Uh, um, Many religions experience this on earth where a person initially when they become involved in their religion, they feel a lot of excitement and passion and they get involved in their religion and they're really going well. And then after five years or ten years of that, the passion slows down and eventually it comes to a grinding halt. Now that's an indication that now the faith has not grown infinitely and therefore there must be errors involved in that particular faith.
2: That's Otherwise, it
1: would continue growing. Yep.
2: That's those laws that we talked about earlier with the big circle and the little circle beginning to work on the faith, trying to expose the error. It stops and there's other things then start to get triggered and confronted.
1: Yep. Okay. Are you listening? just the bold ones here? Aren't
2: yes, you? I am. Yep. Yep. Uh, faith leads us to act.
1: Okay. Faith creates actions. Okay, so those are the primary points that we were trying to make tomorrow. Not always well.
2: Yesterday, you mean.
1: (laughs) Yesterday, sorry, not tomorrow. (laughs) And I don't know how that happened. (laughs) Some kind of time shift happened. We're not back (laughs) tomorrow. (laughs) So what would you like to know about those things? Can we discuss some of those things? If we go to Paul, up the side there first.
10: is it like that if i have an experience and i feel like something's true in the way that oh i feel like this what i felt today was from god mm-hmm. that i need to back myself with that belief and hold on to that and so next week when i'm struggling with something i think no i i i believe i back myself that that really happened
1: yes this is the issue many of you many of us face right what we have it happens is we have an experience, and then over time we start forgetting the experience. Now, now, true faith doesn't do that either, actually. Faith remembers the experience and adds it to the next experience. It, it, it is additive in nature. It doesn't take away, it doesn't divide things, it adds to them, right? And multiplies them, in fact. So so this is the thing we need to understand about faith. Whenever we are not choosing to remember right, what previous experiences of faith have brought us. We are, we are purposefully encouraging our doubts and fears. Does everyone understand what I meant by that? Whenever you are choosing to not remember a real experience that actually occurred, you are purposefully trying to avoid that real experience. So you are purposefully acting out of harmony with, in harmony with doubt and fear, and out of harmony with truth. So when we have real faith, we don't do that. Each experience adds to the previous one, and as long as the experiences are based on truth, it will will end up with continual growth. If we're becoming stagnant, then we're already—it's already telling us, "I've not got continual growth." so, So therefore, there's something false. In this belief, there's something false in the way that I'm acting or feeling, that I need to discover, and prayer will help you discover it. Easy enough. God's universe is already trying to expose it to you, right? But yes, you're right. Well, unless you remember these things, you will often. F- it's what I see people often doing is they almost take every one of these experiences as a as a. Um, an isolated an event. isolated event yes is the word I'm looking for
10: yeah and it's like tra- developing that trust in myself
1: y- yes well that's a part of what God's trying to
2: teach is it you trust in yourself
10: it's like um believing that that it's real for myself yeah, yeah. but
1: but you will believe it's real if you had the experience
10: yeah but I might't tomorrow
1: that's the problem isn't it the problem is that we forget the experience, and we we need to not forget our experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah?
2: And I feel it's sort of it's not really growing a faith in myself; it's growing a faith in the truth that it was exposed to me through the experience. Can you see the difference in those? See, I, I don't
1: know if I agree with Mary no, on that. Okay. Subject. Yeah. Yeah. Go. Because because the, the beautiful thing about God's love and God's truth and faith is it not only causes you to trust God more, but it also finishes up causing you to trust yourself more as a creation of God. Does that make sense? So I sort of see the two not as isolated events. I see the trust in God growing. And also, if if this is a universal truth, then the trust in yourself will also grow. Not in an arrogant way, but rather in a recognition of all of your beautiful qualities and, and abilities and you're, you're purposely now engaging a trust in yourself to, to deliver them, to, to give them to others, right? So I feel that it is both things. Does that make sense? Awesome.
2: <laughs> I'm not um, strong on the faith in myself, so... <laughs> so Mary, Mary's,
1: one of Mary's emotional injuries is she's not happy with herself very frequently at this I point I'd like time.
2: to believe, like grow my faith in God and God's love, but perhaps not so much in me.
1: Yeah, whereas, whereas I feel you will be forced... Into, if you engage this everlasting process, you'll be forced into eventually accepting God's opinion of you. And what's God's opinion of you? God says, you are the most powerful and best of all of my creations. That's God's opinion of you. So eventually you'll come to the point, if you're having the same opinion of God as of yourself and of everyone else, of course, you would go... I am God's <laughs> most beautiful and powerful creation. You see? So can you see that for that to occur, there has to be a growth in trust of yourself? Do you, do you follow me?
2: Could I ask a clarifier on that mm-hmm. one? hmm Is that different to having a trust in my own opinions? I think that's what I was... uh,
1: Very different. Yes. yes. Because as I said earlier, our opinions are completely untrustworthy.
2: (laughs) So if I go, I'm backing myself on this one and it's just an opinion, then I'm going to get in trouble. Whereas if I back myself on, hey, I had an experience that showed me something about me and God, then I can have faith in that.
1: but the beauty even of having the opinion and holding on to an opinion is eventually if you keep the process going the opinion that's false will be exposed anyway so so even if you had a false opinion sooner or later truth will expose it as false and eventually you're going to have to let it go so i don't even see any problem with that (laughs) right to see from god's perspective we are growing eternally so if you think about it from God's perspective, all of us right now are making mistakes. Even the most perfect of us is making a mistake from God's perspective, right? In the sense of a mistake in knowledge. But from God's perspective, mistakes are really not mistakes in knowledge. Because God, God acknowledges that these things are just growth. From God's perspective, the real mistake is every time we act out of harmony with love that's the real mistake does that make sense the real the only time from God's perspective that you can really make a mistake is when you act out of harmony with love if you have incomplete knowledge that's immaterial from God's perspective because God knows that all of us will forever have not enough knowledge right Because if there's an infinite amount of knowledge, all of us will only have absorbed a certain finite amount at any one time. So from God's perspective, a lack of knowledge isn't your problem. From God's perspective, a lack of love is the problem. And it's when we act out of harmony with love that all of God's laws are trying to get us back into harmony with love. And that is the truth of the universe all of God's universal laws are teaching us constantly constantly about love because God's trying to tell us I don't care if you make a mistake in knowledge you know you might come up with some fanciful idea that's completely false it doesn't bother me at all (laughs) right but and it doesn't bother the universe at all by the way either you you don't affect the universe negatively by having this idea that's just a knowledge-based idea that's out of harmony with truth. But when you have feelings and ideas inside of you that are out of harmony with love, now the universe has a problem with you. All of God's laws are designed to bring you back into harmony with love. All of God's laws are designed to reflect the pain and suffering that you have created through your own engagement of actions that are out of harmony with love. And this is why it's very important to understand the role of love in this process. So we've talked a lot about faith, but, but at this point we still haven't talked much about prayer. And, and prayer is more, even more important in some ways than faith. Of course, prayer won't be engaged unless faith is engaged. So do, do you understand the basic, these basic qualities, if you like, or attributes of faith that will be present when true faith is present?
2: Hands up. Let's, so let's answer some, answer some, some of
1: these questions yeah. before we break. So we yeah, go, we go.
2: Uh, Laura on this side.
1: Laura on this side. Hand 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 hand.
2: Yeah.
5: Yep. Yep. yep.
1: Yep. And then Mon in front.
5: Oh, sorry. Um, when you were saying with all of God's universe, how it pushes on the small circle of the false belief Yeah. in that example, Yep. Um, I've gathered a lot of um, facts that that false belief is not true, and I thought that I didn't want to let go of the false belief because what I was getting from it. But I've realised that the false belief is if that belief disappears, you said blank slate, I feel desolate annihilation. Yeah. And I've got, I don't and know And I think it's to,
1: fantastic.
5: I don't... <laughs> <laughs> but Lori <Laura> doesn't. <laughs> I Laura doesn't, though. I can't get experience of what, that be, what it would be like without the belief, because I've had the belief since I was born. But I know that the belief itself is false.
1: But can you see how much your own personal psychological self is bound up in your beliefs? Because if, if, you can, if you're finding it impossible to release a belief that you know is false then it tells me that you psychologically are so attached to your belief systems that they define you so so what you're doing is you're holding on to belief systems that define you
5: but that blank slate re, it feels like a de- it feel, oh, it's like this i've just in an abyss of emptiness like it, yeah that and really that's a false belief me.
1: too
2: and can you see um, what jesus was just saying about that's because it's related to your identity yes. i don't feel that bit hit you yeah that yeah. bit never hit you yeah
1: do you it understand? You don't understand how much your psychological identity is a, is, is identifying with false beliefs. Now you, you remember we drew this circle. This is God's universe, if you like, and he is all your creations, or we could say all of your environment's creations, which are all outside of God's universe in a way. Because God's universe are all based upon truth and, and law and love, right? this is god's universe this is where god created this is where you created right or you could say your parents created if you grew up in an environment and this is all to do with false error and so forth but unfortunately many of us have become psychologically attached to that we've become so attached to that that we think giving that up is a major drama
5: well, I was saying, I feel like, all, like every ounce of my will has been invested in my, in this false belief, making wanting it to be real. I agree. But to let it go, that, I, I don't know where else I'd be. It's,
1: well, see, if you had faith, you would let it go unhesitatingly.
5: And do I need the faith there before I can trust that there's like developing or there'll be a Laura, period Laura, stop,
1: stop, stop, stop. <laughs> You haven't heard what I just said, yeah. and and it, it, this is what we do. We go, but 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 but. And this and all it, all it is is this psyche, if you could say this this impression that you have of yourself. A lot of people call that the ego. Do they not? Right. In the, in in New Age terminology, they'd call that the ego, right? And I call it the psychological. Your own psychological. Uh, P-S-Y. Impression of yourself, which is false, right? And because it's psychological in its nature, it's going to feel like you're giving up yourself when you give up this. And this is why most people hold on and choose to use their will to hold on to false beliefs. Because their false beliefs are so entwined with who they believe they are, Right? They feel that if they give that up, then themselves has to be given up. The, the reality is, that's not who you are. And you have no faith that that's true. Who you are is, belongs in this area. In God's universe, how God designed you to be. That's who you really are. And you don't have any faith in that at all. Because if you had faith in that, you'd willingly give that up instead of fight for it.
2: And I I feel this... The reason we struggle with this a lot, even when we hear the truth, is because of this rebellion feeling that we have and the anger about feeling uncertainty, feeling psychological distress. Or um,
1: even feeling like we're being totally psychologically destroyed. It, 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 in the end, involves the, almost a destruction, not of ourselves, but of who we imagine ourselves to be.
2: This self-concept that we want to hold on to, that's error-based. Yeah, that's exactly
3: right. Where yep.
1: at? Does that make sense? And many of us are going to have to go through this destruction because most of ourselves that we currently see as really, really good is completely out of harmony with all of God's universal laws and truth about love and faith and humility and all these other qualities.
2: And, uh, Laura, you said about, well, what about how do I I have the faith to do the thing? And again, I feel it's
1: about
2: experimenting and having experience. That's the only way your faith will grow. But a lot of us, and I would include myself in this group, we just get angry about having to do it and that makes us never experiment going no this feels uncomfortable and I don't want to and now I'm going to be angry about it and so, say... so
1: we're all like little children going, no, no, no 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 no, I don't want to experiment <laughs> yes. I might make a mistake it feels somebody uncomfortable. might punish me somebody <laughs> might well, I
5: also want really want to know what's on the other side first like I want to know that. Oh, I'm
1: sorry you do know what's on the other side first what's on the other side is love truth <laughs> all these beautiful things <laughs> that's what's on the other side You've been told that's on the other side. You just do not have faith in it, right? That's the problem. And faith in it won't come until some of this is willing to get to go. Remember, that's one of the qualities of faith. Yeah. So very important to understand that. Now, who was next? Uh, yep. Far away.
5: Uh, um, I, I just wanted to ask about the love. I, are you saying that, because um, you're talking about divine love? Yes. Is infinite. And we can receive infinitely God's love. Yes. Can you just
2: hold the mic a little closer to your mouth? Because yeah, it, it's it? a bit muffled.
5: Yeah. Um, do, we, do I also, and you and all of us, have an, infin- an infinite capacity to grow our natural love and to give love?
1: Well, not without divine love, no. The way God's yeah. made our soul is quite simple and that is here's our human soul in its original design that that is the normal way we would be if you like now we can perfect it and that is the state that a person enters when they enter the sixth dimension or the sixth sphere of the spirit world h-e-r-e and and that is our soul if you like now remember we got two halves so we're one half of the soul perfected in natural love Unfortunately, though, natural love stops there. It stagnates there. There's nothing more that you can do to grow unless you start growing divine love. Now, when you start receiving divine love, the soul gets transformed into a bigger creature. All right. Not the traditional circle that I've drawn. There you go. And it's much bigger, driven by the heart, rather than the head right and it's a much bigger more powerful creation because now what's happened is god's love has entered the soul we're talking about divine love here this is the physical and this is one of the things we want to discuss with you after the break actually physical divine love enters your soul and transforms it into a new being not a being that was of your original creation but something now that has the ability to infinitely expand. The way God created your original soul was that it only has the ability to infinitely expand if it receives divine love. It does not have the ability to infinitely expand without receiving divine love. However, remember that natural love is not the love that comes from God, but the love that comes from you. Now, of course, if your soul is bigger and it has more divine love in it, and therefore the love inside of you is bigger, that means you have more natural love to share. Does that make sense? So that's the subsequent effect of receiving the divine love. Thank you. And we were down to Mon, next. Uh,
7: Just a question on experimentation. Um, I can understand how you can experiment with prayer, and, and I feel like, like I've experimented, you you do you do A plus B and it equals C, and if it doesn't equal C, then A or B's wrong. Oh, B's wrong. Me, my my error. But
1: so now, now I'm, I'm getting all confused with the A's and B's <laughs> yeah, yeah.
7: now, mate. And right. what's C? <laughs> all right. So say.
1: Do you want like, to bring up an actual example? Yeah.
7: All right. So prayer. Yeah. So we experiment with prayer, and I we so I take the step of praying, and if. If I do receive a response from God, like an answer or or a connection to God, then I know that um, my desire—I had a pure desire. Or um, and so, a, if you didn't
1: receive, what would mm-hmm. you then assume?
7: I'd assume that
1: God doesn't love you anymore. No,
7: or like <laughs> I haven't—I have an addiction. Like um, I'm not worthy to be heard or known or no ah, connection.
1: Huh? Eh? Hey? You're always worthy.
7: That's well, her.
2: She said, "I'll assume I've got an addiction."
1: Uh, yeah, but see, no, but see, what, what you're doing is you're automatically assuming false things. Many of us do this. So, so when, when we're longing for God's love to enter us, right, and we think we're longing for God's love to enter us, and we feel like we're longing for God's love to enter us, and no love is entering us, you know what I would assume? That I don't want it. That I wasn't longing in the first place. That's all I would assume. Just that one thing. Because yep. yeah. I know from, from fact that every time I've had a sincere longing for divine love to enter my soul, it always has.
2: Me too, but I thought that was just like, I don't, yeah.
7: <laughs> that's why I never understand the questions, though. Yeah. Oh, no, no it, that wasn't really the question. That was like the prelude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's then. okay,
1: that's okay. But yeah. can you first understand that every time you say you have a longing for divine love and it doesn't enter you, you didn't have a longing for divine yes, love. Yes,
7: exactly. That's, that's what I mean, like A plus B equals C, and yep. I'm the problem. Ah, uh, but... no.
1: No. See, why do you have to then go, I'm the problem? All right. That's Why do you have to do that? Because you have been taught to blame yourself every time. The problem could be an emotion that your mummy created in you. Well the problem could be an emotion your dad created in you, the problem could be an emotion you got at school, the problem you could be that you were taught religious things and that was the problem. It doesn't why would you say you're the problem? You're the you're the beautiful creation of God. How can you be the problem? God doesn't see you as a problem. God sees you as a person who's imbibed all of these false beliefs and false systems. And all God's wanting us to do is go, no, the problem is, not me. Not me. The problem is that I have imbibed a whole heap of things that are false. And all I've got to do here is discover what it is. Now, all of God's universal laws are already exposing it to me. They're already shining the light bulb on. You know? There's the light bulb there. Right, All the light's being shined from all of God's laws of the universe. And it's already exposing it. The, problem, the only problem is I'm not seeing properly. I need to put on some glasses so I can see properly. Right? See myself properly, see what's going on. And and understand that every time the way God's designed divine love, every time you have a sincere longing for it, you will receive. Right? So the only reason why you are not receiving is because the longing is not sincere. And that's not your the problem. That's something inside of you. Now, if you think about it from God's perspective, He created you this perfect being without a problem. So from His definition of you is, you are my perfect creation. You, you are not the problem. The problem is what's got inside of you through the creations of the universe around you and your own choices. That's the problem. And that's very different than seeing yourself as the problem. And what I see most people doing is they're still blaming themselves for their own error. Most of your error got into you by the time you were seven years of age. And then from then on, you made heaps of choices based upon that error. The only time you have made the problem is when you made the choices based on error. And you're still sometimes making them. That's the only time you're the problem. And even then, it's not you that's the problem. It's your, the way in which you're exercising your will that's the problem. You're exercising your will out of harmony with divine law. That's why you have the problem. It's not you that's the problem. You can be perfect and exercise your will in harmony. So the problem is not you, but it is your choices. That's the problem. And the choices are driven by what's in your heart. So what's in your heart's the problem. Not, not you, you see. But can we continue with your question?
7: Yep, great. Yep. Um, so, so just in that example, we, uh, there's a great way of experimenting to me, and, and, and the same with prayer. But when I was uh, reflecting on how I would experiment with, with God's attributes and qualities, for example, Yeah and seeing that i don't believe that god's loving and kind in my heart mm-hmm. but i can see intellectually that god is loving and kind by all the beautiful creations yep so then then comparing it like that that experiment which is awesome to okay god are you loving and are you kind and just
1: going can i can i just stop you again mm. when you said I can feel in my heart that I don't believe God's loving and kind. You must have reasons why you don't believe God's Mm -hmm. loving and kind. Yes, yes, I do. You're going to have to feel them. Mm. And the majority of us don't want to feel them. See, what we try to do is we try to jump over them with our intellect. And this is our problem. We are never going to feel God's loving and kind while we have an opposite feeling inside of our soul. Recently, I did a series of discussions, with some with Lulie and some with Mary, about how the soul functions. Many of you are still confused about how the soul functions. My suggestion is to look at how the soul functions, those discussions. Because the soul doesn't function in the manner you think it does. It, 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 It is very selective in the manner in which it functions, because God designed it to only function a certain way. And one way is that it cannot have truth enter it while error still remains within it. right? And you think it can. And it can't. The error is going to have to come out before the truth enters. Now, you can have a faith of what the truth is and that is completely different to the truth actually being in your heart. Do you understand? Once... The truth is in your heart. You will not need a faith in it anymore. It will be reality to you. And the truth can't enter your heart unless the error on that particular subject has left your heart. And so I would again focus on the willingness to allow the error to believe. And that's humility. So what we need to do is work on humility. The willingness to let the the, the error leave us so the truth can enter us.
7: So are you saying that if we experiment still with the error in our heart, we're not going to get accurate results from the experiment?
1: So ask that question again, if we experiment?
7: With the error, if I experiment ask, uh, wanting to see if God's loving, when I still have the error in my heart that God isn't, I'm not going to actually get the, get the right answer, get, the, get a truthful result?
1: Well, it depends what you base your choice on. If you base your choice on the error, then you certainly aren't going to get a truthful mm. result. But if, if it's an in intellectual... If you base your choice on the truth, then mm. you will definitely get the positive result.
2: So if you act on the truth that you intellectually intellectually know, that will expose the error and help it leave you, and then the truth can enter you.
1: Yeah, but can I, can I point out to many of you still, because we haven't covered prayer yet, there's only half of the information... And so probably what we need to do is just... It must be close to one-ish now, is it? Yep. yep. And what we might probably need to do is have a break and then come back and talk. And, and this discussion may have to go on to another day. Because, tomorrow. <laughs> not tomorrow. <laughs> not tomorrow. Um, but, but because basically there's so much to discuss about prayer that, that interrelates with faith and the operation of divine love on your soul and it still feels to me that many of you don't understand the operation of divine love on your soul you're sort of expecting that you have to do all the work of getting rid of the errors but you don't all you have to do is get rid of the errors that stop you from receiving divine love and God's love will get rid of the rest right? And this is something that many of you are still not getting, right? That you all, so, do you want me to say that again before we stop? Yeah. All you have to do is focus on getting rid of the errors that stop you from receiving divine love. And then divine love will get rid of the rest of the error. Right? Right? You want to say more
3: than that?
2: (laughs) Well, Deb just said, "Well, that's all of my error," and I disagree. I feel that many of us have already removed enough error that we could start receiving divine love right now.
1: But you haven't got rid of the blocks that stop you from that that stop you from receiving. The excuses
2: for not asking.
1: Many of you are making this excuse for not asking: I'm unworthy that's an excuse your belief that you're unworthy to receive divine love is completely false and it's an excuse you
2: can ask and you might then experience some unworthy feelings but you would stop using that feeling as an excuse
1: yeah and and we you often see excuse after excuse after excuse for not praying this is why we need to cover the next part prayer because we, we often use excuse after excuse after excuse to not pray. And then we say, oh, I haven't received divine love yet. And you ask why. And we say, oh, because I'm not this or I haven't done that yet. or I, will, I will. No, no, it's not that. It's because you haven't had a sincere longing. <laughs> That's the only reason why we never receive divine love is because our longing is not sincere for it. All we need to receive divine love is a sincere longing. That's all we need. Everything else will be exposed. If you're willing, a sincere longing, and perhaps I should add one more thing, and that is a humility, a willingness to let go of the error. That's all you need. The longing for for love and a willingness to let go of the error emotionally. The majority of you have not received divine love because there is no willingness to let go of the error you just have to be willing, and you don't want to be willing. So it's like,
3: no, 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 no,
1: no. You know, the tantrum goes on inside of you. I don't want to have to do that. I don't want to have to cry. I don't want to have to feel shamed. I don't want to have to feel sexual shame. I don't want to have to feel anger. I don't want to have to feel rage. You just don't want to have to feel. And God's saying, if you want your soul to expand, you're going to have to feel whatever is in it. All right? And we go, no, 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 no. I don't want to have to feel. And that's what stops us from allowing more love in. So we start getting a trickle of love and all of a sudden we're in a panic. I don't want to have to feel. I don't want to have to feel. Right? God's love in the instant that it enters our soul will expose the error as it enters. And if you do not choose to feel in that moment, God's love can't enter you more. Because God's love is a feeling. And you're now locking up your feelings. You can't do that, and this is one of our main problems. And so we need to talk a lot about prayer and its operation. Yeah,
2: when you consider what's on offer, all we've got to do is just feel, and we get well, infinite truth, infinite love, infinite, you know, amazing gifts. It's funny, isn't it, that we do that? I do that. I just go, I don't want to feel, you know. Yeah,
1: and and quite often uh, um, I have discussions with people, and saying. Like, just, just there, did you see just there, you went from feeling a bit of divine love and feeling some other emotion and you started to cry and then you shut it down. And I remember just when we were down south with Paul and Mel and we had a, just a bit of a discussion over some lunch and Mel started crying. She says, no, 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 stop, stop, stop. <laughs> and I said, there you go, you're stopping divine love right there, right there, right at that spot, that spot where you need to feel. That's where you're stopping it. And you're shutting it down, and so only a trickle gets in. And if a trickle gets in, how much transformation of the soul has happened? A trickle. <laughs> and so ten years later, it's still trickling. Now, do you want a flow or a trickle? Yeah, that's what I think. Anyway, like I'd go for the flow. And and so my feelings are: as soon as you let that, well, as soon as that feeling is triggered in you, let it out. Let it go let it let what the divine love is exposed in you leave you leave let it it will leave you for good if you let it in that one experience if you let it go as, as long as it's there it'll go it'll be gone and you won't have to have to process that particular thing again if you really let it flow but most of us don't do that most of us what we do is we long for God's love because we think that it's going to be nice and love should meet all of our addictions and everything. And, and God, because we've got a sincere longing sometimes in that place, God gives us a bit. And we, all of a sudden, we're starting to feel an emotion. We're starting to feel some kind of negative feeling, like grief in particular. Grief, but usually it's grief or shame or some other kind of feeling that's very, very difficult to feel. And what do we do? Ga-da, cut it off, cut it off, cut it off. Don't do that, don't do that. <laughs> we run away and in the process of running away, we are stopping the operation of divine love affecting our soul. Our soul cannot be transformed under those particular circumstances. And any transformation that will have to take place will have to take place with your own effort. And what have we called that? We've called that the natural love path. That's the way, so most of us are still doing it that way, thinking that we're on the divine love path, but we're actually on the natural love path. Because we're not willing to engage emotionally the exposure of what's within, right? We're afraid of it. We're afraid of our own emotions. Most of us, the biggest problem we have is that we're terrified of ourselves. <laughs> we're terrified of what's within. And we don't want to feel it, right? And and we can't even blame ourselves for that because most of the time that terror was created by when we were little, we started crying. And what did mum and dad do? "Ah, You stop crying, otherwise I'll give you something to cry about. Right? And now there's this threat of violence. Of course we're terrified, but God's not like that. That's one of the things we're going to have to let go of in order to receive (laughs) God's love. So what we'd like to do after this break is talk to you primarily about the operation of prayer How faith influences prayer and also what prayer does for you. What what receiving love into your soul actually does to your soul, physically does to your soul and spiritually and emotionally does to your soul so that you can at least have some desire to pray. All right. So let's have a break for two weeks. What's the time now? Quarter past one. Quarter past one. Two two o'clock. Can we? Two. Thank you. Okay, how how are we? How's the tummy settling there? All right. Yeah, good. Well, um, like I said, I doubt whether we're going to get through the material we had planned to get through today. So, what we'll do for the next couple of hours is talk to you a little bit about prayer, and and in particular about divine love and its operation upon the soul as well. So what we would like to do firstly is focus on the operation of divine love on the soul and then we would like to focus on after that the operation of prayer which brings the divine love into the soul. Uh, What we find often is that most people we talk to about divine love and and about the operation of prayer and faith still struggle with developing within themselves a, a passionate desire to pray. And and that seems to be the biggest problem. The biggest problem that most people face is having a passionate desire to connect with God and to pray and to receive that love. And if we're honest with ourselves, most of the time we don't have such a sincere desire to receive divine love. And that's probably our major issue. Now, what we'd like to do is talk to you about why it's our major issue. And what, what, what we need to understand about divine love and the operation upon the soul that will help you see its importance in terms of of your own development.
2: And that it's a gift, that it's an exciting, wonderful, gift-giving adventure rather than a thing I've got to do. A chore. (laughs) A chore,
1: yeah. So let's talk about the divine love and what it actually does to you. Now, we've mentioned this to you many times but we feel at times that it's difficult for people to understand the actual physical effects that divine love has upon the person themselves, their own soul and what's going on within their soul. Now imagine this is your soul and probably what I should do to be more accurate where is, the there is. There, um, is to draw the half of the soul because you are actually one half of one. So let's say Let's draw it like that, shall we? Let's say you're the male or female half of one. So you remember you've got your two bodies. The physical body and the spirit body. And then this is your soul. So if you're the female half of the soul, you're possibly wearing a dress, but that's how I'll draw you. Okay. So there's, a, let's say, a representation of your soul which you've seen plenty of times from me before. Now, this soul was created with initially only one potentiality. And the potentiality of its creation is that it can never become better than what it actually is. It can grow in the sense of knowledge and experience. It can use its will in harmony or out of harmony with love. But in the end, it can never be bigger than the perfect natural human it it will always get to that point sooner or later now the entire one so now i'm talking about the entire soul but but let's assume because i'm speaking to you as an individual that's your half of the soul or your half of the soul depending on whether you're masculine or feminine of course these two splits could be male male female female so we're not too fussed about how the soul splits in this case we're just saying that your half of the soul has only the capacity to reach its perfected state which which we call the perfect natural human whether that's a male or a female does that make sense now the perfect natural human is is a state that any person who develops their soul can reach in in their future time in their future and There are literally billions of people who have reached that condition in the spirit world after they've passed from the earth. And that condition is equivalent to, as we've told you before, the sixth sphere or the sixth dimension of the spirit world. In other words, you cannot progress any further than that dimension um, if you only develop yourself as the perfect natural human. And also your development will be very much based around what you choose to do. You have to choose with your will what you're going to do whether you're going to become more refined in love or not and the more refined in the way in which you use your love the more you approach this condition of your first creation which is the condition of the perfect natural man now that is available to all of us at any time this progression every single person on earth whether they are aware of it or not is progressing towards the perfect natural man sooner or later they will reach that condition for many of them it's thousands of years later in the spirit world where they reach that condition for many of them it can be hundreds of years or you can even progress to that condition in in 20 or 30 or 50 years in the spirit world it's quite easy to do that On Earth, it's a bit harder because there's all these external influences causing you to break the conditions of the perfect natural man. Now, the perfect natural man is very focused on ethics. In other words, we need to become ethically pure, ethically in harmony with God's viewpoint of ethics in order to become the perfect natural man. We don't have to believe in God. We don't have to have a relationship with God. Many of the people who become the perfect natural human do believe in God but don't have a relationship with God so they have a concept of God that's a human concept or a revised human concept of God but they don't actually have a personal relationship with God but they still have become ethically pure morally pure there's development in moral morals as well and you could say this is the development in natural love. And natural love is the love that comes from within the soul itself, the human soul, that is projected outwards towards anything in its environment. So we become perfect in natural love. So that's, that's how we were created. We were created to have that capacity. None of us can grow beyond that capacity by ourselves, through our own effort. It's impossible, in fact, to grow beyond that capacity through your own effort. It is possible for you to get to the perfect natural human through your own effort, but it's impossible to grow beyond that point through your own effort. Physically and spiritually and emotionally impossible. And it's impossible for the soul to grow beyond that point through its own effort. So that being said, we've introduced to you historically, in the different times that we've presented things to you, we've introduced to you this alternative way of progressing, haven't we? Which is, if we rub that part of it out, and we put in place the alternate way, which is we have God, who, by the way, has masculine and feminine qualities, which we, you were taught right from the beginning, remember, and, but exists without outside of the universe. The reason why we know that to be a fact is because god existed before the universe came into being so as a result god exists outside of the universe now god can enter the universe through certain mechanisms and energies but god is a separate entity than the universe itself which god created So God exists there, let's say, outside the universe, and this is the universe. And by this universe, I'm not only referring to the physical universe in which we live, which um, scientists feel do have a boundary, and it's expanding at the moment. And And it actually, they've found recently, very recently, in fact, that it actually flows, that it's actually rotating around what seems to be cause. And there is also a flow from... Universal structures into other universal structures. They've also found scientists have found, which is also a truth, that there is a large amount of matter in the universe that they cannot see, but it has a weight, it has a gravitational field, and so forth. So this is proof. These are proofs that there are other dimensional spaces. And so mathematicians have come up and made and and got supercomputers on the job, and and they've found that there's 13 or 14 math. Uh, dimensional spaces that they can prove through mathematics at this point in time, right? So, and I'm saying, when I'm talking about the universe, I'm talking about all of that, all of these dimensional spaces. And by the way, dimensional spaces keep on being created, not by God, but actually by the people who enter these new spaces through conditions of love. But that's a separate subject altogether. So here we have is... We've got this universal structure in which we, a human person, a human soul exists, of which we personally are one half. Now, we have the ability to communicate with the source of our creation. God, let's call God the source or creator. God is an entity, as you'll find out through your process. But but don't assume that like experiment with that (laughs) does that make sense we can experiment with everything about god however what god is offering to us and which is what we're talking about here the divine love is that god's offering us that god's love which is a part of the substance of god can enter our soul can actually physically enter this part of us not not these bodies but the soul itself our real self not the bodies. It's very important that we understand it's not the bodies. It's the soul that is in communication with God. And so it's very important for us, as you can see from that, that we connect to our own soul. That we actually know what our own soul is and can feel the emotions and passions and desires and personality and nature of ourselves. A very important part of this process. Now... God's offering us this love, and this love is offered since our coming in the first century. It's been offered since then to all humanity, no matter what religion you are, no matter what you know, nation you are, as the Bible says, tribe, nation, tongue. It doesn't matter whether what gender you are, how old you are, any of those things. It's being offered to you as a gift. But the will of the soul itself must be engaged... In receiving the gift right? now you've all been taught these basic principles right now when we have a certain thing happening inside of our soul this gift of love divine love can flow from God's soul who is outside of the universe through the universe and into your soul right And all it requires inside of you is a longing, a sincere, pure longing for it. That's all it requires. Nothing else. You don't have to be perfect. In fact, if you had to be perfect before it happened, it'd probably never happen. (laughs) You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have a whole lot of rules and laws that you follow. But there are some basic principles but you don't have to have a whole lot of rules and laws to follow in order to receive this love. There's only one thing you need, and that is a sincere, pure longing for it. That's it. Nothing else. All right? Now, many of us go, okay, but, but, but what about all the stuff you are taught about truth? And then what else? all that? Yeah, all that's just side stuff, trying to help you <laughs> through a process. That you've been unwilling to engage, right? This is the process that a child can engage. And trust me, there are many children who, ha, ha, of people who have listened to us in audiences who are doing far better with this than we are as adults who are receiving divine love, right? And because they, they trust the process much more generally. So this love enters the soul. But what opens the soul itself to receive the love? And the answer to that is prayer. Prayer has the effect of opening the soul so that some love can come in. So a lot of times when you develop a longing for something, you are now open to its reception. Does that make sense? Now, many of you want to have people give you things without you being open to its reception. So you, if you look in a relationship, in a general relationship, many people um, want the other party to give them love while they are completely closed to receiving the love. Right? The only way love flows is for the person who wants to receive it to open their heart to the reception of it. Then That makes sense, doesn't it? Like, if you've got a door closed to the reception of love, how is love? No matter how much love is given to you, how much can enter you? None, unless you open the door and let the love in. No love can enter you. That's the use of your will. That's the ultimate decision that you need to make for yourself. The ultimate decision is: Do I want to open my soul to receive love from the source, from the Creator? That's my ultimate choice, my ultimate decision. And God will leave that decision with you. So if you don't want to make that decision for thousands of years, well, that's okay with God. That's your choice. That's the free will gift that God gave you to make that choice. But when you pray, when you have a longing, and remember prayer is a longing, a sincere, passionate, desirous longing for this love to enter you, when you open your heart, it will enter you. It will enter you. Every time you have a sincere longing for it. Every time. So if you think you're praying and you're not receiving this love, then you haven't got a sincere longing for it. Because God always answers the soul with a sincere longing. Yeah.
2: Well, and it's worth um, growing the discernment internally between what is a sincere longing and what is not. If you're telling yourself you're asking and you're not receiving, then you can go, oh, I learned something here about what real there's longing... There's my experiment. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a straight
1: uh, result straight yeah, away. results.
2: <laughs> <laughs> this thing that I'm feeling, that's not longing. Okay, keep looking. You know, what is this thing I'm feeling?
1: What does a longing feel like? Many of us have yet to discover that. Because if we had discovered that, we would already be receiving love every time we longed for it.
9: I was, um, you said something to me last year about longing, like, which made the light bulb go off in my head. Yeah. It, um, it was along the lines that I said all I was doing was I had a goal and then I had faith that I was going to get there. And you said that's what longing is, like in a simple sort of way. Um, yeah. I was wondering if you could just probably elaborate on how simple it is, because like, a feel it is that simple.
1: Yeah, it's probably the best way to elaborate on it would be... You know when you first see somebody that you really like and you would like to have a relationship with them, right? I really like <laughs> you and I'd like to have a relationship with you. Right? And, and let's say you see them from over the other side of the room. All right? Now, you, there's something that starts inside of you, isn't there? There's, if you think about the kind of emotions... It's very interesting because they're very similar to the kind of emotions we described yesterday when we're talking about love again. You get a bit of a joy in your heart when you look at that person. You feel a bit excited. Does that not the case? And then, and then what happens is that you allow this excitement and, and feeling to grow, don't you? You don't, you don't shut it down. You allow it to grow. And, you go, and it grows big enough for you to make the approach. All right, and
3: <laughs>
1: and to go towards them, right, and then when she's doing that, you go. A bit of fear might come up. Maybe she's not interested, or whatever. But then, if the if the desire is really there, the longing is really there, you'll even overcome that, won't you? And if the longing's strong enough, she could say, "I'm not interested in you," and you say, "Ah, oh, you'll be interested in me soon."
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: right, and and there's that feeling that that pulls you to it, and you allow that feeling to develop. You don't shut it down, right? Now, that's really the kind of feeling that we need to start developing with God. Now, the problem with God is we can't see God in the sense of an outward shape. We we can't interact with the physical, whereas with the person we can. So part of our problem with God is because we can't see God, we 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 then don't think that we can establish a relationship. The reality is we can establish a relationship soul to soul. And once we start connecting to our soul, instead of seeing the outward beautiful appearance of the person, we, we start connecting to their soul rather than their appearance. Now, we can do the same thing with God. We want to connect with the beautiful person or being that God is. In the same way, we can develop this kind of longing. So my suggestion is to let yourself think about, if you, if you feel that you don't have a longing for God, let yourself think about the longing you've had in the past or currently for a person in a relationship and how that feels, so that you can sort of imagine the feeling that you might finish up having with God. Now, it won't be a sexual feeling with God, because God created the two halves to be sexually connected, right? It will be a bigger feeling, in fact, than the sexual feeling with God. But, but it's going to start with very small, in very small, in very small steps, usually initially. All right? So once we have this feeling, this feeling of wanting to know God, the feeling of wanting to discover God, wanting to feel some of God's love. And in fact, the more of God's love we feel, the more we'll want to know about God, actually. And and allow that feeling to develop, and that's what a prayer is. A prayer is not an intellectual thought aimed towards God. It is a feeling felt for God. Very, very different. Does that make sense?
2: And there's, as um, Fab rightly pointed out, there's faith. Faith in actually connecting to God.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if, if you just hand it back to Vafra, is
9: I thought that was um, the one that connected it all. It was like the faith that it could actually be the love there for you. Like, yes. Like you walking up to the other woman, the faith that the potentialities of that person could love you back. Exactly.
1: So, if you, in this relationship, if you saw the woman, and in my case, I'm a man, so I'm going for Mary, my soulmate, and there's a woman, and, and, and I, I saw her and I, and I went and I thought, yeah, I'd really love to have a relationship with her. And I'd really love to get to know her, really. That's really what we're saying, isn't it? We'd love to get to know the person. And to get to know them, I've got to eventually get to the point of speaking to them and sharing feelings with them, right? So eventually I've got to have some kind of interaction. So that pulls me closer and closer to the interaction. Now, at some point, if she gave me a dirty look,
3: <laughs>
2: Try. hard don't She's one. not very good at no, doing no. looks anymore.
1: And I used to be. She used yeah. to be real good yeah. at it. Anyway. Yeah.
2: There
1: you go. And,
2: uh, one look could level a
7: man.
1: One oh, you a man. <laughs> I you look. I yeah. love But uh, but but if I got like that let do look, you know, and I and I thought, and all of a sudden the fear comes out. Uh, I don't know if I want a relationship with this woman, <laughs> right? Now from that moment on, my desire has been. ...pushed down, hasn't it? Has been squelched, if you like. Has been squelched and pushed down. And so there's a high likelihood I would not engage her... ...and therefore never know her.
9: But but if you had had a... a, ...the goal was to eventually be with Mary... ...that would still not allow, like... ...it will still push through that, wouldn't it?
1: Well, this is what I'm saying with God, though, most of the time. If we had true faith that God is good... ...and we had true faith that God had love to give you and true faith that God wasn't give you, going to give you a dirty look, right, then, then it's highly unlikely you would stop. But unfortunately, because of our own emotional condition, we, we start entering this relationship with God, and we start getting triggered by what we think about ourselves most of the time. Right? So we start thinking, oh, I'm not good enough to connect to God, or I'm not this and that. And this is, whole religions have been created from those feelings. But where do you think the, the all of the religions that believe in sacrifice? Where do you think they got that teaching from? That you're not worthy, where they, or that you're a sinner through to the core, and you never got you, you know you have to have somebody else come and save you. Where do you think those teachings came from? They came from this underlying feeling that's in most people that they're unworthy to connect to God, and so then they had to even create a religion based around the whole concept that you're unworthy, mm-hmm. right? Now, the true Christian faith, which we established in the first century, is not based around the concept you're unworthy. <laughs> it's based around the concept you are worthy, the opposite concept. The concept that you are the pinnacle of God's creation. All right? But you may not believe this when you start with your relationship with God. And so what you do is once you start, you may start receiving some divine love and then feel not worthy. And this is where you have to be humble. You need to go Okay, I'm willing to feel this feeling, knowing and having faith that it's only a feeling. It's not the truth about how God feels about me. It's only a feeling that I have about myself. Right? That needs to be go. That needs to be released. Right?
2: Can I just add one side note uh, based on that uh, AJ approaching me and me giving him a dirty look? And <laughs> um. Which is not that far from the truth. (laughs) But, and it's something for those of you who are in a partnership or who want to be. One of the most beautiful things that my relationship with AJ has taught me about not just him, but about love and God, is that when I threw at him anger and dirty looks and things, he had faith that that was just injury. And that underneath, I was created beautiful. Beautiful. And that made him very patient and kind and loving with me, um, and that is a beautiful thing if you think about it that you can offer to a partner that you, not having expectations on them, but also seeing that what if they 're throwing at you things that are hurtful or hard you don 't have to accept them, but you can also know and affirm to them that they that 's not that 's part of their creation and not god 's
1: so myself and Mary have had many conversations where i 've said to Mary. But this isn't you. Like this feeling you have of anger towards me or anger towards men generally or whatever, that's not you. That's not how God created you. That's just something that's entered you. It's it's not really a part of you, you can have it leave you too. Right? And this is one of the things we need to have some faith in that we can have our have our bad feelings leave us. We don't have to retain them. Yeah.
2: And as you do that, you <coughs> offer your partner something that demonstrates what god offers us which is very helpful then when you go to engage your relationship with god
3: yeah yeah
1: so let's... that was a side note though yeah. <laughs> so let's go across to... uh,
0: when i pray i am struggling how can i imagine god
1: well initially it's very very difficult to imagine god right because because god is nothing like anything else you've ever met so, so what you've got to do is stop worrying about imagining God and just realise firstly that God's the most loving being that's ever existed in the universe and God wants to have a relationship with you. Start imagining that first. Many of you are asking questions about God that you will have answered through God's love entering you and only through it. So, so it's sort of like you're trying to jump the gun all the time as the saying goes. In other words, you're trying to work ahead of yourself, right? So so you're trying to say, well, what's God really like? Does God have this? Does God have that? No, you'll get all those answers when you have the relationship with God. So rather than somebody tell you what God is, it's far better for you to experiment with the relationship with God and find out from God who God is. You see, it's a bit like... If, it's a bit like me and a relationship with Mary. If I, if I went up to Mary and, t- and she gave me a bit of a dirty look or whatever and I was a bit sort of meek and like I was and, uh, and, and still probably are a bit, but not that any of you really believe that. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but I might go all shy and whatever and not be able to connect. Now, if I was really passionate about knowing Mary... You could say that I could go and ask Corny about Mary. He might know Mary and I so I go and ask him. And then I go and ask Mary's mum and dad about Mary. And I go and ask her brother about Mary. But I tell you, their opinions about Mary are pretty off at the moment. So they're probably not very good people to ask. And, and, you know, I could ask her friends about Mary. What Mary's like and so forth, right? But am I having a relationship with Mary? No. How am I going to have a relationship with Mary? I'm going to have to, at some point have a relationship where I ask Mary about Mary. Am I not? And if she wants to know me and we actually have a relationship, she would have to at some point have a desire to know me and ask me about me. Now this relationship with God is much the same as that. It's no good me telling you God's qualities. What, what I would like to do is show you how to connect to God so that God can tell you God's qualities. Does that make sense? And if God tells you God's qualities, then, then you are learning the truth from God and not from me. In fact, you don't have to learn the truth from any person. You only need to learn the truth from God. But you're not going to do that without having a relationship. Without having this divine love enter you, you're not going to experience a part of God. Divine love is a part of God. One of the most, in my opinion still, the biggest, one of the biggest parts of God And the fact is that when you receive divine love, you are receiving a part of God into you. So you will have a very clear idea after that who God is. You'll have a very clear opinion about God's nature. And you'll know God's attributes and qualities through that. Until that happens, you need faith. That's all you need.
0: And uh, if I really have desire to know God and I pray and... Is still understanding about God for me is coming from you. You know, not from God. It's, isn't it my fear for unknown? Just...
1: Yes, it is your fear of the unknown. Yeah. What I'm suggesting is that God will show you everything you need to know if you establish the relationship. That's what I'm stay, saying. And if you experiment with this process, the process of praying and receiving God's love, then God will be able to share with you who God is. And in the end, if we're all connecting with God and God's sharing with all of us who God is, eventually we'll all finish up with the same opinion about God. That makes sense, doesn't it? Eventually we'd all end up with the same opinion about God. The reason why in most religions there's a differing opinion about God, even inside the religion, is because most adherents to a certain religion have not received anything from God and therefore do not know or have the correct opinion about God. And as a result, they all have differing opinions, which are their own opinions about God. So I'm saying, yes, there is a need to give up your own opinion about God, to take a risk and open your heart through prayer. Prayer is the operation of what opens your heart. It create, This longing within you is the longing to receive, and that opens your heart to receive. That's the important thing we need to focus on. We need to forget about worrying about... Anything that we worry about other than that. All right? You that Yep. Okay, now, it was Barb and then Sue. If we go... Here?
7: Yep, and then back to Karen after
1: that. And then back yeah. to Karen.
7: Yeah. Um, something that's um, helped me, and I still need a lot of help along the way, and it could be a part of my addiction of being addicted to feeling good, but what helped me um, get past that little stage was to... Look at all of God's beauty in the universe. Yep. Like, you know, newborn babies, the sunrise, the sunset. Yep. And that could soften me to...
3: God's you know, true nature.
7: Yeah, God's true nature. yes, And not um, the angry God and the wrathful God and those
1: things. Yes, Yeah, so, we've, we've got a lot of evidence in the universe already that God is loving. You know, just the way our own body is made is a loving... Like, the way it's made, even the way it interacts with the opposite gender or the, you know a partner is uh, an indication of god's love as well god wouldn't have created all these capacities and and abilities inside of our own body without there having to be some love in the person who created them so yeah but so, when
7: when you still believe you're not you know god didn't create you perfect it's hard to see Where I could see it perfect in a newborn baby or in a flower or in a... Yeah,
1: but even in our own imperfection, there's still these beautiful things that we have and can enjoy in our own body every single day. And this is an indication of God's love for us. I feel there is huge amounts of evidence on this planet in physical reality. There's huge amounts of evidence sporting that a a loving God actually exists. right, And that that loving God cares enough to design us very carefully to design us with a lot of care and a lot of of, of desire for us to enjoy our oursel- ourselves and also our partner. So even even that relationship is an indication of how much God wants us to enjoy our life and therefore how much care God has for us. I don't feel though that majority of people really really have much faith in God that God is good. And and I do not believe that it's possible to have faith that God is good until you've started to receive divine love into your soul. Then you will start having a lot of faith that God is good. But there is plenty of intellectual evidence and reasonable evidence supporting the existence of a loving creator. It's just whether you want to see it or not, or whether you want to refuse it or not, or what kind of anger you have inside of you. But we're getting a bit off the track because we want to talk about the prayer operation, right? It's very important we understand the operation of prayer.
3: Did you want to go to that?
1: See?
7: Um I've just become aware recently that I have emotions of sense of separation at times yep. from God. Yep. And um, it's like he's out there somewhere rather yep. than here. Yep. Yeah. And I'm not quite sure how to how to really break through that one. Feel them. Well yeah. Yeah.
1: Always. The but but there's something,
7: there'd have to be something underneath that, wouldn't
1: there? Of course. But if you feel the actual emotion, then you'll find the thing underneath, yeah. generally. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Just feel them. That's, it's very simple. We just need to feel them. When we feel them, we're not judging them. We're not condemning them. We're not shutting them down. We're not in denial of them. And as a result, when we feel them, we're, whatever is the cause will be exposed. And if we pray about the cause, it will be exposed even faster. If we have a strong, lining for truth about the cause it will expose very rapidly it was it, it's an interesting illustration for you last night wasn't it you were praying about the cause of something
2: yep delivered very quickly <laughs> delivered
1: very quickly we won't yep. say what it was is it? <laughs> but it was delivered very quickly
2: yep. yeah and oh, well it was literally that i thought i don't know how i'm ever going to deal with this and in fact it's so big i can't even keep it in my head what it is i need to deal with it. and you know i just went god I'm going to need your help on this one, and within uh, twelve hours, there was, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, and most of the time is that that's what happens. Yeah. But let's let's iron out a few, incon- you know, things that are incorrect about prayer. Prayer coming from your brain is useless. That's why it doesn't work for most people, because uh, you know when you're doing a rosary without any heart, if you're doing some kind of You know, praying six times a day to the east without any heart has no benefit to you or to anybody else around you whatsoever. Prayer coming from the mind of your spirit body is useless. I want to illustrate to you the practical reasons why those two things are useless. And there's very scientific reasons, actually, why those particular things are useless. there's a lot of good scientific reasons one thoughts are created by your own brain and those thoughts come from your soul but uh, that trigger thoughts generally but thoughts only that do not come from your soul are just coming from your own brain or somebody else's brain they are your creations not God's do you understand now you're allowed to create God created you to create, but they are your creations. The second thing is thoughts cannot exit the universe. So while it is possible for people inside of the universe to catch your thoughts, in other words, telepathic response to your thoughts is possible, God will not receive your thoughts because God exists outside Of the universe your thoughts are a substance of your own creation and require the same substance to exist in order to be transmitted and as a result of that they require substances that exist in the physical universe in order to be transmitted from one person to another as a result it is impossible for thoughts to exit the universe do you understand is that getting a bit too scientific for you
2: yeah. it's like trying to send an email to someone who doesn't have a network
1: <laughs> right. so while God can see your thoughts because God can peer into the universe and see anything God will not receive your thoughts into God's soul because it's impossible for your thought to exit the universe and enter God's soul there's only one thing that God created that enables you to communicate with god and that is your soul and your soul is made up of substances that when transmitted are able to exit the universe and enter god do you understand and these substances all revolve around your passions desires longings and emotions which are not constrained by the universe because they come from a soul that was created by God in the same substance. That's why we're often referred to as the image of the Creator, right? So our soul is created in the image of the Creator, and as such, we have the ability to transmit to our Creator feelings from our soul, thoughts even from our soul, but they're not structured in the way that our intellectual thoughts are structured. So no amount of intellectual prayer. Will actually be heard by God what has to be engaged is this thing the soul that has to be engaged your feelings your longings your desires your passions these are the things that need to be engaged in order to pray now prayer where these things are engaged is always effective in other words God always receives it under one condition there's only one condition And that is if, and I write if (laughs) like this because everyone ignores the if, right? If our longing is in harmony with God's longing. So it's a big if, right? If our longing is in harmony with God's longing, every longing we have directed towards God will be satisfied. Now once you really have faith in that, it's really interesting how much your life can change. Right? But most of us have no faith in that at all. Most of the time, because we experience or try to experience our longings directed towards God, and you know what ends up happening? Our longings are tainted, and so they are not in harmony with God's longing. And then we say, oh, we never got anything. And of course you're not gonna get anything because your longing was not in harmony with God's longing. Does that make sense? If your longing is in harmony with God's longing, Every single time you have a longing directed towards God, it will be satisfied, every single time. So if you have a longing to receive God's love inside of your soul, do you think that longing would be in harmony with God's longing? Of course. So you will receive God's love every single time. And the only time you won't is if your longing was not in harmony with God's love. It wasn't sincere or it wasn't pure. That's the only time. Now, when people listen to that, they go, but, but I often pray and I don't receive God's love. And I'm saying, yeah, that's right. Spot on. Because your longing isn't in harmony with God's. You think you're praying and something's, not, something's impure about it. That's what's going on. And for the majority of people, you know what's really going on? The majority of people have these holes within themselves. Let's give it like a great big hole that's full of pain like we illustrated yesterday and you know what we want from God our pain gets so big and you know what we want we want God to make it go away and so you know what we do under those conditions we long for God's love to enter us and make our pain go away now is that a pure longing who created this pain did God create it no somebody else or we ourselves through our choices created it so god can't make our pain go away god will expose our pain so that we can feel it and then it will go away but god's not going to make it go away right too many people believe that god will make their pain go away it's not going to ever happen because we or others around us created this pain we need to help have it go away We need to have it go away by experiencing it rather than holding on to it. It's only in us because we're holding on to it. Now, because we do that most of the time when we're longing to God, you know, we have some crisis in our life and so we long to God, we're really wanting God to make our pain go away. And of course, our prayers may not be answered because it's not in harmony with God's longing god wants you to deal with your pain god wants you to see the reasons how it got created god wants you to feel how it got created so that you never create it again if god just rubbed it out every time like this you'd just go ahead and create it again if you don't know how it got there you need to know how it got there all right you need to feel it and experience it in order to know so god's not going to rub out your pain just because you want it Alex, you had a question about that?
11: Um, Just with the example that Mary was giving before about, um, you know, she prays to feel the emotion and it comes. And I have the same thing and and I'm 100% confident because it happens within the next 24 hours. Yep. And... Like the same thing happened this morning. Woke up, had some dreams, prayed. I just said, just, just give me humility. Help me to just be open to whatever comes. Within an hour, I was in the emotion. Yep. And I just allowed the grief. And every 15 minutes when the, when the grief would, would stop, I just prayed, help me to keep going. And then it would just keep going.
1: Yeah.
11: And so it went like this for, I don't know, roughly an hour or so. Yeah. But here's my thing. At the end of it, I don't feel any closer to God so like, I feel good in that I've released some grief and I feel more faith in the system. I have more confidence in it because yep. I know it works. It happens yep. every single time. Yep. But I don't feel closer to God. I don't feel more of a connection to God and neither do I feel God's love entering me.
1: You're only going to feel closer to God through having the relationship with God. See, a lot, a lot of people, I feel, listen to the principles of divine truth and then they have a very self-focused viewpoint of it. In other words, what they do is they go, okay, I understand this principle. If I just pray for God to expose some truth to me, God will expose some truth to me. And I'll be able to, if I'm humble, I'll be able to feel the emotion. That'll release from me. And that's fantastic. That will not specifically make you closer to God. To be closer to God, you need to have a relationship with God that gets established. And many of us are yet to deal with the emotions that prevent the establishments of, of such a relationship. Does that make sense? So, so, for example, if you have anger with God's system, then that's going to definitely stop you from having a relationship with God. Right? And it doesn't matter what other emotions you process, it will benefit you with the other emotions, but your relationship with God will not change. And this is where it's very important to understand that just because we're processing emotions, it doesn't automatically mean that we're going to be closer to God. We had to, to be closer to God, we have to process the emotions that we have with God. And often they're not the ones that we we're very concerned about. Often we're focused on other ones. Like we might be more focused on having a relationship, and so we process the emotions that block us from having a relationship, and we forget about God in that process. Right? Or we might feel that we're unhappy a lot. So we process the emotions that deal with our own personal unhappiness, but we still neglect our relationship with God. To, to actually be closer to God, you're going to have to deal with your emotional blockages with God. That makes sense, doesn't it? Many of us are not doing choosing to do that. So we're dealing with other emotional blockages towards our partner or potential partners, towards the opposite gender, towards our father, towards our mother, towards our, you know, the universe generally, towards the environment, all the different issues that we have with regard to love. We're willing to engage all of these, but we're still often avoiding the, the biggest thing that's going to change our life, and that is the relationship with God. Does that make sense?
11: Yeah, can I just ask, like, I've gone down this track of, of trying to go through my blocks to to receiving God's love, yeah, and so I feel like one of my things is I cannot connect to God and and then it it usually will take me into an emotion about I couldn't connect with my dad, for instance yep um, and it kind of goes down that track, but again, I don't feel closer to God
1: well if you don't feel close to God, then you haven't solved the problem okay. so to me the the experiment is telling you. The direction you're going isn't the right direction. See, see, for me, whenever I process through something emotionally, and if, after, if, if afterwards it feels like nothing's really changed, then I go, well, obviously I haven't done much. So I don't believe that I have just because I've felt something. I realise that I've got to still find more. You see, the experiment will always tell you the truth. It's like a science... We're like scientists, remember? Like we were saying t- yesterday... If the experiment tells you you're not closer to God after you've done the experiment, then I would suggest to you that it's the wrong emotion. You're trying to guess an emotion or you have a preference for a certain emotion and you're not being willing to face other emotions that stop the relationship with God. Does that make sense?
2: There's also <laughs> this really fundamental thing that you touched on just now about a relationship is like two-way We've got to develop feelings for God and long to know God, not just have God come and fix us. And if we're very, um, oh, I'm just going to cry and long to God, so I'm better. And that we can actually um, breed arrogance through that. There's also, we're going to have to acknowledge that at some point that God knows more than us. And when we hold on to this feeling like I'm going to have to know, I want to know everything and I never want to feel like I don't know as much as the person I'm in the relationship with, that's also going to prevent me having a relationship, isn't it? So those two things I see a lot of people struggling with, Mm. actually wanting to know God and also acknowledging that God knows more than them.
11: I feel that's definitely true because the times when I felt really close to God on this path, I've had... I've had massive love for God. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And I feel like that's yeah. missing often. It's just give me, give me. Sort mm-hmm.
2: of. And God's mm-hmm. giving us so many gifts and often we don't feel any gratitude whatsoever. Mm. And that blocks us from God. It's
1: like, yeah. gimme, 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 <laughs> right? Is the thing we've got going on with God. And sooner or later God's going to say, because there's some laws involved, well, no, I can't give you any more until you get over this gimme attitude that you have. <laughs> Does that make sense? this this real strong addictive desire to keep getting keep getting without really appreciating what what we've got already yep can i just proceed before we answer any more questions though because i feel that many of you still don't really get that there is these physical scientific limitations to intellectual prayer right there's a there's a limitation you see How fast does the speed of light travel? Do you you know? Yep, 300,000 kilometres a second. 180,000 miles per second. That's pretty fast, right? None of us have probably travelled that fast. Now, the reality is that if prayer travelled at that speed... It would take eight years to reach our nearest star. And if God's outside the universe, that means God's like billions of light years away. How how long is it going to take for our prayer to reach? Sort of like we say a prayer (laughs) and then we die waiting for the answer. That's what it would be like, right? Isn't that the case? If, If prayer had some kind of physical limitation like the speed of light in terms of its transmission then that would be the case. But God's created in such a way that emotion, the actual sensory part of the soul, can travel faster than the speed of light. It's an instant transference, right? So you can have an emotion here, for example, and if you're connected with somebody in the spirit world who's, who's hundreds of thousands of light years away, They'll be able to feel it the moment you feel it. So there's a part of your soul that's able to communicate with other souls in the universe, including God's soul, at faster than speed of light speeds. In fact, instantaneously, that's an attribute of your soul. Does
3: that make sense?
1: It's actually a scientific truth in the spirit world that you will discover in your investigations in, when you arrive in the spirit world. It might be many years after you arrive that you discover it. But you'll recognise the scientific truth of it through experiments that you undertake. So, so this soul has the ability to have a feeling directed at another and that other person inside of the universe or outside of the universe, in this case God is the only being outside, But any person inside of the universe will be able to instantly, if they are open, are able to instantly sense the feeling. So every feeling, the real feelings you have, every real feeling you have, God, directed at God, God actually feels while you're having it. And God will respond to it if it's in harmony with God's longing. All right? Now, I've raised this issue with you because many of you are not aware that you actually are angry with God. That you don't actually want God's love. You want to be totally annoyed with God and rageful with God. That's how you really feel. And then you've got going on, but but I've got to love God to receive God's love. I've got to, right, this is not true. You don't have to love God to receive God's love. You have to be truthful about how you actually feel to receive God's love.
2: Because that's part of God's longing, isn't it? That's
1: part of God's longing. Right? God doesn't want you to fake things. God wants you to be real. Right? So if your real feeling towards God is rage, then you need to be expressing that towards God. You might even receive divine love while you're in a rage with God. Do you know that? It is possible to receive divine love while you're in a rage with God.
2: Who's had that experience?
1: Right. Yeah. So you can actually receive divine love while you're in a rage with God because while you're in a rage with God, God's acknowledging acknowledging that yeah, now you're being real with me and that's what I want. You, you experiment with that and give that a go. <laughs> if that's the feeling you actually have. Sir
4: yeah i just wanted to say i've had that experience where
6: i'm trying to be loving trying to be loving and then i'm just like
3: fuck you hey! <laughs>
6: and then straight away i'm into something and, yeah. and it's worked through and i'm like oh wow i just you know yeah like it it works exactly because yeah. yeah. i was just real that's how i was feeling
1: yeah. exactly and while you are trying to fake it, you're not real. Not at, so all. God's God's saying, at all. So what's God saying? God's going, you're not real. You're not real. <laughs> now you're real? I love this. <laughs> and then, yeah,
6: it can actually help too at that point. They exactly. Can, yeah.
1: yeah. So many of us need to work through our emotions with God, right, in order to establish this relationship with the source, with God. If we understand the physical constraints that are placed upon our intellectual concepts... Our intellectual concepts are limited to the universe in which we live. They cannot e- extend beyond it. Whereas our soul-based feelings and emotions have been created by God to extend beyond the universe and even enter God's soul. In fact, God has created a conduit, if you like, for that to occur. And that conduit is called the Holy Spirit. Right? It's an energy of God that allows the transmission of feelings between God and ourselves. Right? It's, a, it's like a pipe that connects to both souls under certain circumstances in harmony with God's longing. Right? Now, these particular principles are not just airy-fairy ideas come, that I dro- dreamed up in the first century to create a religion. They are scientific principles that you can actually test through experimentation. That's the difference between them. They are actual truths of God's universe and the interaction between our soul and God's soul. That's what we need to understand. Now, now that we understand that that's what prayer does, why would we do it? Why would we have a connection why would we want to establish a connection with God's soul? Well, what happens is, once divine love flows into God, into from God into our soul, our soul has been created to respond to the substance of divine love in itself, and to start changing and transforming itself into a new creature, not the creature that we were intent- intentionally initially intended to be but a new creature that has a possession and is given systematically possessions of the divine in other words parts of God's divine nature have now the capacity to enter our soul and transform our soul so that we eventually have similar capacities so in other words you could think of the divine love like a switch Causing a transformer to appear. You know, like the... Have you ever seen the Transformer movies? You know, they're driving on a little car and all of a sudden... And it's like this great big giant thing. Well, that's what really divine love does to our soul. Divine love has the effect upon our soul of causing a different kind of growth that it, wasn't, it didn't have the potential of before. Right? And this potential growth is infinite we can continue to change and transform over an infinite period of time and infinitely in terms of expansion but that capacity didn't originally exist in the soul it only exists because of God's love entering it and switching on the capacity this is how essential divine love is to your future existence you can never become more than the perfect natural human without divine love entering your soul so, so if, it was, if it was me knowing that and also having some, what did we talk about before? Some faith in it. I would be going, okay, let me experiment with this. Right? Let's experiment with this concept that Jesus is trying to get across to us of God's love, having the ability to switch something on inside of my soul and start my soul into a new type of growth a different type of experience that can occur infinitely. And as my soul grows and makes these changes, different capacities are given to the soul through this experience. So there's a time in your future, for example, remember I talked to you about going between, you know, travelling at the speed of light. Right? Well, most spirits are aware that they're able to travel at at more than speed of light speeds but most spirits are aware that they cannot travel instantly and in fact it is impossible for a spirit a person who you will become in, in the spirit life to travel instantly until they reach the 8th dimension of the spirit world and they have enough love in their soul that transforms them into God giving them through this transformational process, the ability, so God actually gives us the ability of now being able to, to to transport ourselves instantly to any location within the physical universe and spirit universe that meets our condition of love. So you just have the thought, bang, and you're there, bang. Without even really, and it's not a thought. Because it's a soul-based operation, so it has to. I have a feeling to be there, and I'm there. Right? Now, most spirits are not. Uh, most spirits before that state are consciously aware of the movement. So, in other words, there is a time taken between that. But by the time you reach the eighth dimension, now you have this new ability that the soul has only because of its expanded state. So, this is one physical ability that I'm speaking of. The soul also has many emotional abilities that were not capable in our earlier states. One of these abilities is to absorb feelings from any other soul and accurately read every other soul that they come in contact with, whether they are male or female. So in other words, that's like the ability of me just seeing Mary and then feeling an avalanche of feelings about Mary's entire life All in a a space of a few seconds and all of a sudden I know Mary before I've even spoken to her I know what what has happened in her life I know her history I know her experience I know what she's thinking right at the moment why she's thinking that everything Uh, is that too much information overload (laughs) right now the capacity you get as you grow In divine love is you start receiving these kind of capacities where you can actually read the thoughts of another person and know very accurately what they're thinking. Not just about you, about anything. Does that make sense? You can also feel their feelings and what created their feelings. You can even feel their history. You can categorically say to somebody, yes, this happened to you in your childhood when you were three. And they go, how the hell do you know that? Well, because I know, I can feel this happened from you. Is that not what happened? And they go, yeah, who told you that? Nobody, your soul (laughs) told me that. I can feel your soul. So it told me that. Does that make sense? These are the capacities that come to the soul through the reception of divine love. The soul does not have these capacities without the reception of divine love. And I've only just mentioned a few of them. I think we've listed in, uh, yeah. in, uh, quite a, a large number of them. And even then we haven't exhausted the list um, of what kind of capacities come to the soul with the reception of divine love. Now, if you really had faith in that, wouldn't you go, yeah, I think it's pretty important for the rest of my life to receive divine love? Wouldn't you feel that? The reality is most of us don't have any faith in that. So when we don't have faith, what do we need to do? Experiment. Experiment. Experiment with what I'm saying you don't have to believe it just experiment with it put the experiment into some kind of action and see whether it's not true whether it's true or not jen
7: is there any advantage or difference in that we have our physical bodies attached to our soul at this time in seeking the divine love is there any big well, purpose or do you understand my question
1: yep
3: thank you
1: there is no purpose to our physical or spiritual bodies in regard to our communication with god our spiritual and physical bodies have been created for our purpose in order to for us to enjoy firstly the physical universe in which we live through the, spirit, the physical body and the spirit body through therefore enjoying the spirit universe in which we live these bodies God created so that we could experientially have knowledge come to, to our soul. So they are appendages only, aren't they, of the soul. However, there are direct benefits to our physical and spirit body when the soul receives divine love. For example, once you become at one with God, you will never get sick again. You know, isn't that a great advantage? You won't, you won't, your physical body won't grow old anymore either. Right? So, and in fact, it will grow young. The cell replication process, which actually stops when you're around 25, starts up again, and so your physical appearance will grow younger, as well. And once you become at one with God, if you become at one with God on Earth, you will look around 25. Does that make sense? Yeah, 25 to 30, around that bracket. That's a subsequent advantage of receiving divine love into the soul. But I wouldn't say it's a very big advantage. Like, it's just one of the many hundreds of advantages of a person receiving divine
3: love.
2: I reckon a top advantage of receiving divine love while you're still in your physical body is that you experience more freedom of experience in your physical body. Because fear no longer governs what you do. You you actually get to experience God's creations in the physical in a far more rich way.
1: So you have more freedom of movement. You you remember yesterday when we were talking about having faith and we were talking about this whole principle of gravity versus aerodynamics. And remember I said the discovery of each new law leads you to more freedom, physically more freedom, more ability to express yourself and enjoy your life. So why would you not believe that if that's what happens when you discover a new physical law, why would you not believe the same thing can happen if you discover a new soul-based law or a spiritual law? Can you see? What, what we're doing is we, we have all these belief systems about physical laws and we don't apply them to spiritual matters. We, we, it's almost like, we, we're, like thinking two different, uh, we're thinking in two different ways. On the physical laws, we go, yes, I understand that. If I understand a new physical law, it's a fantastic thing. We go... With the law of gravity, if I understand the law of aerodynamics, that gives me more freedom. So we understand that, but we don't then apply that to the soul-based laws, and we don't go, oh, if I find a law that actually affects my soul and causes my soul to transform in a certain way, then that is going to give me more freedom and more ability and more joy. We don't believe that. But it makes no sense. On one hand, we believe it when it's physical. On the other hand, when it's spiritual, we don't believe it. And, and what I'm suggesting is any good scientist would look at the evidence given in the physical realm and then they would go, maybe the same concepts apply to these other realms.
3: <laughs> right?
1: Maybe I can experiment with how these concepts apply to these other realms. Right? So what will happen is the soul will have an effect on the spirit and physical bodies, obviously. But, but, but obviously... As long as our soul is expanding and growing, these things, these spiritual and physical body, which are just appendages, things attached to our soul, they will expand and grow in ways that we have no imagination of at this point in time.
2: In the end, they're designed to help us understand our soul. Ironically, we keep trying to dominate our soul with them, which is like pointless and futile. But if we, if we viewed our physical and spiritual body as a way of understanding our soul better through experience, then we'd get a lot further, a lot quicker. Yeah.
1: So, so what we wanted to do is just uh, show you through sort of some diagrams here, but we've got a lot more we need to share with you, but we might do it at some other time, is, is to show you the essential thing that happens when this soul receives divine love. And that is, it's like a switch, like a key, right? That turns this soul into a completely different thing, right? Not the thing that it was originally created to be, but now a part of divinity has entered the soul, transforming it and giving it characteristics and qualities that it couldn't have without divine love entering. This is why it's so important To open yourself to receiving the divine love right that's why prayer is so important without prayer you cannot receive it because without prayer you're basically going don't open the door don't open the door don't open the door and God says no worries I won't open the door I'm not going to open the door I can't open the door it's your door that's the gift of free will that God has given you the ability to make a choice for yourself what you want for your future So God's not going to force you into a decision. God doesn't come along and punish you because you're making that choice. Don't believe any religious thought that says somebody's going to come along and give you terrible lashings if you don't open your heart to God. No, God's not like that. God's patiently waiting and desirous of you to establish a relationship with God. But God's not ever going to punish you if you decide to not have one. Right? God is a loving being who does not punish people God doesn't give us free will only to take it away. You know, it's like saying, like this whole concept. Uh, this concept is so prevalent in religion. For example, they God gave us a penis or a vagina, right? I don't think there's any other apparatus uh, other than those two in the groinal areas uh, that we've come <laughs> across, and we call that male and female, right? God has given us those things, and you know what the religions tell you that it's unholy to use them. What? You're saying God God, God created it and then it's unholy to use it? Like that would be like giving you a gift and then taking it away from you and and what purpose would there be in that? That wouldn't be a very loving thing. It would be a constant temptation to use it and this is why many priests for example who are celibate have a struggle with their celibacy because they weren't created to be celibate. Do you understand? They were given these organs to use in a way that's in harmony with God's longing. Right? Does that make sense? It's the same with your free will. God doesn't give you the gift of free will and then say, oh, I'm taking it away now. You've got to do what I want. There's so many people going, there's so many people saying in religion, you've got to do God's will. Whatever God's wills, I will do. What? God doesn't give you the gift of free will and then say to you, now that I've given you that gift, you've got to give me it all. Like, that's not a gift. God gives you the gift of free will and then allows you to use it however you wish. Yep. Okay.
11: Didn't God um, take away the gift of God's love though originally too? So...
1: Yeah, but that's, that's, the, that's not a gift that's a part of the soul. That was a gift of God's soul see it's different that belonged to god god can give and take away anything god wants at any time that's a part of god but god doesn't give you a gift that's a part of your soul and then take it away he only asks you to give it up does that make sense to everyone there's a big difference between that god's allowed to take away anything god wants from god's soul right from your experience because that that's god's choice that's god's will but God doesn't give you the gift of free will and make it a part of your soul and then take it away from you. Does that make sense? Very different. Very different. And so what we've got to do is stop thinking that God does these things. So all of these things are gifts that God has given us. And as you would expect, a loving person would surely give them if he had the power to do so. And God's also given us this ability, this beautiful ability, and this is the main point, the beautiful ability for this soul to grow beyond its original conception, beyond its original conceived design, and to have a new design. And in fact, God incorporated it as part of the design that when we receive divine love, this soul has the ability to transform into something completely different, but only if it receives divine love. That's the only condition under which this transformation can take place and it's the only, the only way we can do it is one way and that's the way God designed for us to do it by opening our heart to the reception of the love and it will change your entire existence. Right
2: can I tell you a daggy thought that I'm having? That's a daggy <laughs> it's, it's about the way, you, the way we draw the soul and like changing. And I keep thinking it, about it as we created tadpoles. And then only when we ask for God's love do we get the capacity to grow little legs and turn into frogs. <laughs> so <laughs> daggy. <laughs> but I love frogs, so
3: it's a good thing.
1: Now you do, yeah. Yeah. The, um, Oh, it's like it's like being created a grub and then going through a metamorphosis process that completely dis. Like I don't know if you understand with the caterpillar. I think we've talked about it before, and that is the caterpillar when it's inside of its cocoon, it completely becomes fluid, dissolves. It dissolves completely, and then it reestablishes itself as a as a butterfly, right? And then as it, as it breaks out of its cocoon, it's now a butterfly, right? It's a complete metamorphosis process. And this is what's happening to the soul receiving divine love. It's a completely different kind of process. And it's very important to understand that process.
2: It's about unlocking the potential for the different process, isn't it? Yes. Immediately that we receive the first bit of divine love, there's a change, if you like, in the structure of... Now there's a new potential that's, that's just been inherited in the soul.
1: So this soul is now, through the reception of divine love, it's like a key, switching it into having the potential of different types of experiences that it never could have before it received divine love. This is the beauty of the rewards of the relationship with God. Right? And that's what we need to understand. Pete, thanks.
12: Are the blocks... Um, preventing us from feeling God's soul different from the blocks allowing us to feel our own soul?
1: Uh, frequently, yes. Yep, very mu- uh, usually the blocks that we have with God are very much associated with the blocks that we have towards the masculine or feminine external to us and not internal. However, we usually also have additional blockages relating to our own feelings of worth with God. Now, if you look at the construction of the prayer for divine love, which I shared with people in the first century, not, not the Lord's Prayer, the one that is in the Bible, but the actual prayer, if you examine its construction, and in the uh, discussion of the message of Solomon on the internet, we have examined its construction of the prayer, and we've gone through each aspect of the prayer to show you where, where, the, where our blockage is, in terms of, and what part of the prayer focuses on specific blockages that are within our soul when it comes to the reception of divine love so the reality is we have attitudes towards god that block love we even have attitudes towards our brothers and sisters that block god's love from flowing to us because you you imagine if i treat you badly pete can you see i'm treating another child of god badly now what do you think god's going to feel about that well, God certainly is not going to be in harmony with that, is he? He's not going to be, that's not harmonious with what God's longing would be, which would be for me to treat you as if you are a precious child of God, just like I am.
12: That's natural love.
1: Well, no, no, it's actually a principle of divine love too. The, the reality is, in harmony with God's longing, is for me to treat you as I would like you to treat me. That's actually in, also in harmony with God's love. Now, because it's in harmony with God's love, if I act out of harmony with that principle in my day-to-day life, in other words, I treat other people the way I expect them, you know, I expect different from them than what I give them, then I am completely out of harmony with receiving God's love in that place. So I might have a longing for God's love, but it's not very sincere if I believe that I should get away with treating you badly while I'm receiving God's love, because right. God's not going to agree with that. Right? So even the way attitude we have towards other people is going to severely affect how like, our relationship with God pans out.
12: Right. Yeah. So if we've got uh, blockages towards feeling our own soul mm-hmm. and we've got blockages to feeling God's soul...
1: And we've got blockages to feeling other people's soul.
12: Right. <laughs> yeah. Then... Um, How on earth do we ever receive any divine love or get ourselves in a state where that longing is pure and sincere?
1: By having some faith that when you ask, you will receive as long as it is in harmony with God's longing. Without without having cleared the blockages. Without having cleaned the blockages, yes. And being aware that through that process, all of your blockages will be exposed. The big problem that most people have is they are not willing to see their blockages and they are not willing to feel them and as a result they will not receive divine love until they're willing to see them and feel them and that's a problem you face personally Mm -hmm. a problem of how you treat other people for example is very different to how you expect they treat you and as a result of that that severely affects your ability to receive divine love and you don't want to acknowledge it And as a result of not wanting to acknowledge it, that shuts it down. And therefore, divine love cannot be received. And until you're willing to exercise your soul's choice to see that this is a problem and to actually address it as a problem, nothing can change. And God's just going there, going, I love you, Pete. I love you, Pete. I'm just waiting for you to realize this about yourself. Does that make sense? And when you realize this about yourself... Our, my love can flow into you again. Because at the moment, you're just not treating my, my other children the way that I want to treat you to treat them. Yeah? And this is something that we need to be aware of, is that whenever there is a blockage of the flow, there is always a reason that is inside ourselves. Because God, from God's perspective, God always wants to give it. Always. So it's very important for us to understand the the blockages might be with God, might be with others, might be with ourselves. We don't know when we're starting, where they are. All we need to do is have faith in God that we will receive God's love and if we're not receiving it, have faith that we have something inside of us that's out of harmony with it, that's out of harmony with God's longing and have faith that God wants to show you what it is and in fact usually what happens is God's beating you over the head with a rock basically <laughs> that's what it feels like sometimes there's 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 this whole laws associated with the universe telling you what it is every single moment there's people around you who will tell you what it is and we just go no it's not that no it's not that no it's not that no it's not that and that's our problem the problem is that we're dismissing all of this stuff that's coming at us every single day god's created a perfect universe showing us every single day what the problem with ourselves is and we are just blind to it. And it's our choice to be blind that often shuts down this process. Because the choice to be blind is not in harmony with God's longing. God wants you to see everything. So whenever you choose to be blind to something, you're not in harmony with God's longing
12: anymore. It's, it's interesting, though, that um, we can have all these blockages that prevent us from receiving divine love. Yep. And yet other people... Um, not understanding that they even have blockages yep. can go along and sing a song in church or see a lovely sunset and yep. spontaneously receive the divine love Yeah, it's wonderful, um, isn't it? Without having... Why does that happen? Why is, that, why is there anything wrong with that? No, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. I'm just saying it's interesting that, that, that those two conditions can exist at the same time.
1: Yeah, I agree. And and ha- is, how is, is, is that? Well, Well, I think it's quite obvious why that is one person is having a real experience the other person is having an imagined one the person who's not receiving divine love when they're asking for it imagines that they're asking they're not this is the problem you face personally you imagine you're asking when you're not and sometimes when you're not asking you get it (laughs) right when you're not imagining that you're asking you actually have a soul longing and you get it in those places you know when you go along and get those the messages you've been getting that's when you're often connecting, right? And you have a longing under those circumstances, so you finish up receiving some divine love. Then other times when you think you have a longing, you haven't really got a longing. You're angry with God or annoyed with God's laws or angry with how the way it all works and all those other feelings are there, right? And you don't want to... Be, you won't want to believe they're there and so you tell yourself they're not there and in that moment you're being fake with yourself and God and God's going no mate you're being fake you're being fake you're being fake that's not in harmony with my longing be real you're angry with me be angry with me (laughs) yeah if you if you're upset with me be upset with me show me what you really feel and then we'll get
12: to the bottom of it together that's really what God's saying. So when people are singing or looking at the sunset hey. or whatever... <laughs> See, now <laughs> Can you're I stop you? loving again.
2: You know this thing that AJ was telling you about, about not having love for your other brothers and sisters? I feel that you're this right is now. an example where you, you get the mic and there's usually a series of three or four questions where you're sort of reframing the same question because you're not satisfied with the answer that came to you. Yeah. So and not only love, that, you're hogging the mic now.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and that then means that other people can't answer their questions, which is an act of unlovingness um, towards other people. Does that make sense? The key is to be reflective about that. What's driving that? What fear in you is driving this? What, why is it that you can't reflect upon the answers given and you just keep asking and asking and asking and asking without just reflecting? What I just gave you in that, in that five minutes that we just, I just mentioned my answer to you will change your life if you applied it. And yet you ask another question. You, you can spend the next year trying to apply what I just told you in five minutes. And, and you would have no danger of trying to find something more. You could just focus on that and you would change your entire life in one year if you focused on that in the next whole, whole year. Does that make okay.
12: sense? I'll do that then. Thank Give you. it a go. Yeah,
1: Havana? <laughs> thank you.
6: <coughs> I had a really cool experience, like, um, about a month or two ago. Like, I've been, like, really cold towards people, like, just really angry towards people. And I started noticing, like, how I was towards people and, yep. like, my treatment of other people. And, like, like I know I've still got, um, like, a lot more repentance to go through, but, like, I started to cry about how horrible I had been. Yes and like it's really lovely now to be like connecting with people and actually appreciating that and um like seeing how like my interactions with people have changed like since yeah like i didn't even cry about it for that long but i feel like like every day i'm i'm like looking at like reflecting a lot on like how i am closed off to people and how if i keep just going out every day like when i leave home just seeing how i interact with people and then like just praying about opening up more like it's really cool like just to see how it can change and and how even if it is just natural love like how nice it is to feel
1: it's not just natural love okay (laughs) when you're at one with god you'll be like that all the time (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so yeah, and in fact, really in cool. fact, see, many of you say, oh, but it's just natural love. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, but, natural what? love, that's
3: good. Love is always good, whether
1: it's from your heart or from God's, right? And so, so whenever you say, oh, but it's just natural love, natural love is extremely important in your development. If you do not engage the principles of natural love, in other words, you, if you do not act lovingly coming from your own heart towards other people, you will be completely blocked towards God. and many of us have no idea how unloving we're being at times no idea we don't realize what frustrations and rages and other emotions we carry towards other people and 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 of course part of God's longing is that you treat every one of your brothers and sisters the way you would like to be treated right most of us don't do that yet so when we do that we'll be in complete harmony with divine love because we're, uh, natural love is in harmony with divine love. Yeah.
6: Yeah, and, I just don't understand that fully yet, so. Yeah.
1: But it, yeah. it's it's fantastic that you embrace these principles and experiment with them. That's the key thing. Go out into your life and experiment with them. That's the beauty of it. Now, what is the time? I know I've raved on for a bit today. Yeah. it's probably time for us to finish actually because it's been going on for some time so um, we promised we'd finish about three i think from memory um, so what we would like to do is extend this conversation with you the next time we get together would, would that be good because we want to discuss more about the operation of prayer what it actually does to the soul how it opens the soul up and also how you can have faith in it as well as a a process. But we would like to leave you with one thing, and that is to experiment with these two principles that we've been talking with you about this weekend. Experiment with the principle of faith. Look at the areas where you do not have faith. Make a list of the areas where you can see there is no faith in your life. And that might be like, I have no faith in love, and I have no faith that a relationship can last. I have no... What, What areas... Do you not have faith in that are out of harmony with God's opinion on the matter? That you know intellectually. And the second thing we would like you to try to do is to experiment with prayer. And every time you, you, you think you're praying and you're not receiving divine love, don't tell yourself that you tried because you didn't (laughs) if you if you actually pray from your heart to receive divine love you will always receive it if the prayer you have is in harmony with God's longing and and the prayer for divine love is always in harmony with God's longing it doesn't matter what your condition praying for divine love is always in harmony with what God's longing is God longs to give you her love so when you pray for her love from an, with an open heart, it's always in harmony with God's longing. And if you're not receiving this love, the only thing can be something inside of yourself. So don't tell yourself that it's something outside of you or God's fault or something else. Look at and say, okay, there's something wrong with my longing. Experiment with your longing is what I'm suggesting. Experiment with it. Don't just go, oh, long, 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 no, I didn't get anything. Oh, well, that doesn't work. Don't assume that. Assume instead that if I'm longing and it doesn't work, then I mustn't be longing the way God wants me to long for God's love. I need to find the way God wants me to do it. You follow? Can I leave you with those two things? Yep. I know you've got more questions, but we have to answer them at another time, I think.
2: Can I thank you all for being a lovely audience this weekend and um, for pitching in, setting up and stuff yesterday. It was really lovely to see everyone working together.
3: Yeah.
2: And to also take this opportunity, I know you did it yesterday, to thank people for their donations and the people who watched the
1: video. We videos. received enough donations yesterday to get the new machine for the guys, so that was good. <laughs> So I actually bought it last night.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: he he doesn't mess around. Comes in, goes out.
1: Don't no, hang around.
3: Everyone.
4: We have new rules here, and so what I'd like people to do is stack the chairs in piles of twelve. We piles put, of twelve. We have to put them all away in the.
1: Yeah. Store room. In
4: the storeroom, so okay. You stack
1: the chairs in piles of 12 with the, face facing, the back facing towards the back would yes. be best. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be great. And um, I, I would like to thank you guys uh, because there's something I'm noticing lately in the last couple of uh, talks that we've had with you, and that is the general feeling of love towards each other is improving now. Have you noticed that? Yeah? <laughs> so it's taken a while, <laughs> but it's great to see that change it's
2: really really lovely yeah and so
1: we'd just like to uh to encourage you along that same direction and one of the things that we would like to mention just before we close is this we have decided that we are going to be i suppose you should say more strict about unloving demonstrations that we notice in the seminars And so if you've got your hand up and you don't get answered, and yet I've clocked you, you see me look at you and you don't get asked, asked, there's a high likelihood there's something at that moment that's coming from you that's unloving. Do you understand? And my suggestion is for you to reflect about what that might be. Also, um, if we do notice people treating other people badly at our seminars, we've decided we're going to ask the people who are treating others badly to, to leave. The reason why we've decided that is we, we feel that we've all had long enough chance, most of us, to, uh, unless the person is a new person, you know, um, we've all had a lot, of, a lot of chance now to start demonstrating love with each other. And if we can't demonstrate love to each other when we're actually at a seminar that's talking about love, then I would suggest that maybe we don't want to be loving, right? The third thing that we've decided to do is also ask anyone to leave who projects at myself or Mary uh, anger or, or other unloving emotions like that. The reason why we've decided to do that is that we feel that we're giving you the gift of our time and our love and if a person is projecting rage or anger at us while, while we're trying to attempt to do that, it's very off-putting from a, a, you know, up the front of an audience to receive that but also it also demonstrates the lack of appreciation in the person for what they're being given. And we have decided that we are not going to tolerate that anymore. We've tolerated that for a long period of time, for probably five or six years now, and we've decided that we're not going to do that anymore. So what we're trying to do is help you through our actions with you to, to see when you're not being loving. Does that make sense? And we're happy for people who have have been asked to leave to come back at some point in the future when they have actually addressed the issue of love. So it's not a permanent exclusion of the condition. But but it's very important we feel that we start practising what we preach. And that includes myself and Mary practising what we preach in the sense of making sure that people understand the principles of love in their day-to-day interactions. So that's what we're going to do. So please be aware that if, if you are at some point in the future asked to leave or whatever as a result of any of these things that we do, we're not picking on you. We're just suggesting to you through our actions that, that your unloving behavior needs to change and, uh, and that we can't any longer accept it at our seminars. We might be able to accept it individually or other, for other things, but at our seminars we feel we want to have a space here where everyone feels open in their heart, enough to to absorb new principles about love and and that 's very hard to do when there 's anger or other kinds of emotions projected at each other.
2: I kind of feel like we come together here in this space and we create this space for everyone to come and we 've got, got a desire in mind it 's like a working bee <laughs> you know we 've got an opportunity to present some truth to you, to demonstrate some truths to you. And if everyone wants to pitch in on the working bee, then we're going to get somewhere. But if there's a bunch of people, if we're trying to dig a hole and a bunch of people throwing rocks in it, it's, it would be logical to say, hey, guys, probably, until you want to stop throwing rocks in the pond, <laughs> maybe come back when you want to help dig. Yeah. Does that make sense? I know it's not a great analogy. I've got to work on my analogies, but <laughs> you're so good at them.
1: No, I don't think that, that sounded all right to me. Yeah. The... Um... <laughs> we, feel, we feel, too, that many of us um, almost have this justification towards our, our own unloving behavior, you know, this feeling of, but, 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 I, I, you know, I, I should be able to get away with something, like, you know, for whatever reason. And the reality is that all of God's laws are operating all the time, right at this very moment, attempting to correct any unloving behavior that we have. And what we feel, uh, Mary and I feel, we discuss this quite a lot, is that we need to also do the same thing that God does. In the sense that we need to make sure that all of the laws involving our seminars, if you like, the principles involving our seminars and how they're held, are actually in alignment with the way God's laws are working. So that's what we're... Yeah, and
2: that about. means no one's ever going to tell you off or make you feel small about it or give you a lecture. It'll just be a very kind indication of what the truth is and a request that you, that you leave until that, that emotion is no longer coming from you or that set of actions is not yeah. undertaken by you.
1: However, if your behaviour is public, then your correction will be public. Do you understand? If your behaviour is private, that we notice privately then your correction will be private. And there's very good reasons why we feel that needs to happen as well. Because it, when there's a public behaviour that's correct, corrected privately, the other people involved in that bad behaviour do not see the correction. Right? And it's important we feel that public bad behaviour is corrected in a public manner so that, so that everyone involved in that, in that event can see the correction. And so we're not focusing on picking on you. We're not focusing on any of those things. What we're trying to do is help you understand love better in this process. Does that make sense? Bear in mind that these seminars are Mary and my creation. So we have the ability and, in fact, the responsibility to ensure that they happen in harmony with the principles we're teaching. That makes sense, doesn't it? Whereas if it was something, if we come along to your home and you decide to do something that's out of harmony with love, if it didn't affect me personally uh, or it didn't affect some of the principles that you say you're teaching, I would not necessarily feel the the need to correct it unless you asked me to. Does that make sense? In fact, the way I feel is I don't have the right to correct you in your own home unless you've asked me to. right. But when it comes to something that myself and Mary have created, well, that's a different matter. Now you're our invited guest. And as a result, um, we feel that we need to state what are the general principles we would love to see our invited guests operating under. And so that's why we've decided to do that. Anyway, we'd like to thank you for your time today, guys. And hopefully you've enjoyed the subject of faith and prayer. And we look forward to catching up with you again and also have enjoyed your company this weekend.
3: Yeah, it's been a pleasure definitely. actually
1: speaking with you, particularly definitely. today. Yeah. yeah.
2: And just a reminder that if you want further detail on this topic that we've been covering, there'll be a clip on YouTube coming up next week, which is a discussion, it's a pageant message discussion about uh, from Solomon, what is the greatest truth in all the world?
1: Yeah, so and it's under the downloads you- page, under pageant messages, you'll see it there as an audio and video. Yep. Yeah, the audio's already there, the videos will be there next week. Mm. Pleasure, guys. Thank you. We- can we also say that we love what some of you are starting to do with your lives? You're starting to engage your passions with a passion without having to refer to us at all. And we find that fantastic. <laughs> like, this is what God would like to see you do. Just do what you want to do and follow it with passion and in harmony with God's laws of love. And you'll be, you're going to be surprised, some of you, of what gets created worldwide as a result of some of you engaging your passions in these manners. So we're, we're really looking forward to seeing... How your lives change over the coming years and uh and we feel that if you uh, can engage the principles that we've talked about this weekend there is going to be so many changes that happen that you won't yourself be able to even keep up with them and uh and that that will be uh, that'll be an amazing process for anyone who is who surrounds you and also for yourself individually So we're just uh, looking forward to seeing the transformation effect of your soul that divine love is going to have, and also looking forward to seeing your true, real personalities, you know, the the ones that God created you to be, rather than the bits that you think you should be. And we're looking forward to seeing those too. So we'd just like to encourage you about following your path on those particular issues and, and focusing on these principles that we've taught in the weekend. Thanks for your time guys.